No, there's no fucking rules. Let's so let, let's, this is how this works. I mean, you, you've heard them, but this is kind of how it works, right? Um, we're just going to have a conversation. The, the movie's playing in the background. Uh, it's, it's hurtful that our life saga was put into a movie and stolen, but we are in good company. Sans royalties. But also, sans royalties, sans royalties as well. So uh, Burt Kreischer, his life was based off of Van Wilder. I, that, you know what? I heard that on Rogan. Uh, yeah. Oop, oop, I just dropped another podcast on here. That's, that shit, <laughs> That's fine. Do that. Dude, Rogan's the king. That's like being like, kinda, I, I guess saw you guys that aren't on really NBC competitive. News. <laughs> and I, hold on. You're going to like this joke real quick. Side Sidetrack. But I made this joke. I was, I, was, I was hanging out and I said, you know, Rogan's doing 120 million downloads a month. Everyone's going crazy. They love podcasts. They're getting information. And the news is trying to concise everything into 20 minutes and they, they can't hang. And I'm going to open a beer. I'm going to warm up with a Sapporo. And all of a sudden, it seemed weird. It's like the news just went, hey, Joe Rogan, hold my Corona. I'm going to go after this real quick. Good luck. Like nonsense. But you know what? No one fucking cares. No. You know they what? Would, they they so, want to listen to experts, though. They really do. They want to listen for two hours or three hours to a real fucking person, an expert. I think it's incredible, and he's said this before, so I'm I'm not I'm not you know pioneering thought here. <clears throat> Typically, I don't. Uh, <laughs> Neither uh, one of us. Don't, yeah, don't trip. It's, it's, a, it's not a lot. Yeah, if you harnessed all our brain power, you could toast bread lightly. Um, so anyway, being generous, uh, I, I was listening to him, and he said, uh, um, "It's interesting that in a world where we're also instant gratification, and we don't have time, I'm busy, and, and that even extends to us. I mean, shame on us. I haven't come to see you. You live three hours away. I've lived here six months. You know what I mean? But I find it interesting that people are embracing long format podcasting. I mean, dude, some of his podcasts are three hours long, and I'm bummed when they're over. You know yeah. what I mean? And and I think and too, like it, it's it's crazy that there's no real genius behind it. Like I'm just going to invite in an interesting, funny or, or interesting person and just, and just visit with them. Like I yeah. would, if they came to my house and we had a steak dinner on the back porch and had a beer and who'd have thought that, that, yeah, I mean, he's the king of the world now as a result of that thing. It's, it's unbelievable, but it's I love it. Thing. It's one of my favorite things to do. I mean, it's probably if you, if you loop in movies, TV, all that stuff, as in a media format, I would argue that it's probably that and reading books are my two favorite things is his 100%. podcast 
and and a podcast in general, primarily his, yours, Andy Stump. Um, but Ooh, Andy uh, Stump's Jocko, legit. Jocko, if you're if you're Dude, any Jocko kind of makes me feel business, like a bitch. Jocko, well, <laughs> I follow Jocko on Instagram. I listen to his podcast, and every time I'm just like, I'm not worthy, and I love it. I love it. Trust me, it motivates. The whole, like David the whole world isn't. Yeah, David Goggins <laughs> is uh, is a gosh damn animal, and it, uh, literally, dude, the power that guy has over me. If I'm if I'm like just feeling sorry for myself about something, which is such a first world thing to do, I will like literally go to his Instagram fling it with my index finger and just push one and immediately immediately feel like a bag of shit that I need to get my act together and stop complaining. Um, yeah. and Jocko, Jocko's got a, um, a thing he's, he's famous for. It's his, it's a skit. It's his, it's his little thing called good. Have you ever watched this? Yeah. Oh okay. yeah. 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 No, I'm so a big Jocko this fan. This might yeah. be the best two minutes and 40 seconds of anything on the earth. And if anyone listening's never seen it, hop over to YouTube, type in good. And then Jocko J O C K O uh, if that doesn't move you on some level, I got no time for you. There's, you're just empty inside, and there's probably no hope for you. Um, I send that to my sales team probably three times a month, and we love it. In fact, we named our thread good because we're just tired oh. of excuses. You know what I mean? We're just going to go get it. Uh, but anyway, back to the Burt thing. I heard that, and I, I'm like, holy crap. Like They stole um, – they stole – his life and, and made it a movie. Um, and you know, that movie happens to be close to us because you have some connectivity to that film as well. Don't you, sir? <laughs> yes, sir. A little bit, a little bit here and there and everywhere. Big bag, <sighs> big, big, bad Hank and I'm everywhere. So let me see here. Where's my stuff? Where oh, yeah, are you I'm, at? So where's your, oh, where are you at on the movie? I'm, yeah, I'm, um, let me, let's do that. Oh, face ID. Apple wants to see my eyeballs. Hold on a hot I second. Know. Okay. You I'm covering the camera eyeballs? with my thumb. Cause I'm a gorilla. This all okay. goes. I'm at five seconds. You're at five seconds. I'm at 21 yeah. seconds. So hit play. Okay, so hold on. And when let you get hit. to 21 seconds, you let me know, and I'm going to hit play. Hit, I'm at Vince 20. Vaughn. Boom, you're at 20. Vince Vaughn's leaned back at yep. the desk. Okay. We're good. Yeah, we're good. Play. Play. We're, we're good. Okay. So here's the thing that, um, that I love about this movie, right? And I think you love about this movie is the actions are, are, are hilarious and they're funny. But as a premise... And I got goosebumps right now, and I might tear up a little bit, but it's the friendship thing. It's the oh, engagement sure. of, of understanding and the life that is built in the fact that we don't have to get along, don't have to, we don't have to be alike on everything, but at the end of the day, we're here to support one another. And if there is not a better topic on planet Earth right now, I don't know what is. I'm out. Fitting. Very true, sir. I agree. I mean, I think, you know, we, um, <clears throat> first of all, Vince Vaughn's my spirit animal. Second of all, <laughs> totally, totally forgot that Dwight Yoakam is in this movie. I know. Beginning, which is awesome Dwight. because huge fan, huge fan of his music, Bakersfield, California, holla. Um, Hasn't had a point, drink though, in, in two or three minutes. To your point, uh, <laughs> I think that this, this thing, the, the COVID situation uh, has given the world a chance to push pause and commune. And it's, it's interesting to me um, that we have these types of moments as a country or a nation or a state. Uh, you know, I was, I was in Vegas for Route 91. I was obviously alive, and, and so were you, and living you know, close to each other when 9-11 happened. 
um, sure. now something like this, right? And it's interesting to me that in the the uh, during the struggle, the days, weeks, months, let's even call it a safe year after the struggle, there's this harmony and unity that you it, it's it, it it's it's it, it's just it's powerful, right? And it's it's um it's just an amazing thing to watch. We're you know we're all we're Team World or we're Team America. Or we're all in this together, and and then it wanes. And we go back to cutting each other off, lobbing the bird on the freeway, screaming at some guy because he's, he's cut you off on the 405. And I wish I understood the psychology behind that, other than I guess just here we're so comfortable and we're so protected in a country like this that we – those are such rare instances that we just forget. And uh, I'm as guilty of it as anybody else, but um, the world – in the 65 to 90 days after 9-11 might have been the best two months of my life as far as just the the country and the world in general rallying around a thing um was incredible it was it was the most it was it was it was unbelievable and i wish i wish we could find a way to live like this all the time i mean i'll just take it on a personal level with this this whole covid thing um I work long hours. Um, I, I, I work more than I should um, probably, but it's just kind of wired into my DNA. And uh, I get home, you know, late most evenings. This time I'm, I'm currently, for those obviously don't know what's going on, I'm working out of my garage. My company has, I'm a sales manager for a construction entity and they have asked our sales teams to stay home and shelter in place unless absolutely necessary because most clients don't want extra people in their offices on their job sites, et cetera. And, and Dallas, where you're at, has said the same thing. So it's right. not and just so, company. It's, correct. We've correct. got a state, we, we've got a city, we've got a thing. Correct. We did it um, right after the, the state issued the, you know, no groups of more than 500 or something like that. The company took a proactive stance. company I work for is amazing. Um, but my point being, I'm literally working out of a folding card table on two saw horses in my garage because I don't have a home office. Ain't my wife and uh, my daughter uh, enjoy that space for crafting and dancing and all that stuff, which is fine because I don't really need one. Uh, circling back around, the point being, I now am in a situation where, you know, 5.15, 5.30, I literally push boop on my computer and I walk nine feet and I'm home, right? Um, and uh, gosh, the, 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 the gathering, the time, the family dinners, the because school is up, you know, is, is out and, and, and canceled. Ainsley, my daughter, uh, is a uh, competitive dancer and so dance is not they're doing it you know virtual classes virtually or whatever and so hey we're back real quick this. hold on real quick pause real quick pause saying your daughter's a competitive dancer and no offense it's playing down what your kid can do i mean she's pretty cool. i've watched yeah. videos i watch everything on facebook on instagram your kid's amazing and here's the one thing i would say that's different and i hate to cut you off here but here's one thing that's i think it's different 9 11 we got to come together we got to hug, we got to grab people, we got to do stuff. The harder part about this is, is twofold that I see. One is that we can't hug. We can't go grab someone and be like, you can't grab that bar owner in Texas who can't open his or her bar and give them a hug. You can, you can give money to the GoFundMe and, and you should, and you should help those people out. But that human interaction, what makes it special, is, is a little bit lost, and it's, and it's literally reconciled to video. And then two, the DNA 
of our communications from day one of crossing the Atlantic Ocean was you can do anything. You can be anything. Go, go, go. You are it. You're amazing. Lift yourself up by your bootstraps. Go. And now I see memes and I hear people saying, sure, your grandfather went to World War II, but you need to sit on the couch. That is so anti communicatively and rhetorically and almost in our DNA of what we've been told for so long that this is why there's the struggle. Whereas someone goes, I can't believe Tom, Dick, and Harry can't stay at home. I can't believe Jane just can't just keep Parker ass in her house. And I don't think they understand the bigger message of what's been ingrained with us for over 200 years. And that's tough. And, you know, but I'll tie it back to this movie. These guys are go-getters. They're going to go out. They're going to build business. They're going to go out and have fun. Their life is going out and having fun. And that's okay. And that's great. But in the world that we live in now, that's frowned upon. And my concern is twofold. One is, how do we build up outside of this? when we've been told we can't like you can't rhetoric and communication and lifestyle is not a life. It's not a light switch. It doesn't go off and on, right? It's a stream of consciousness. It's a stream of ideas. It's a stream of embracement. And then two, when you go out and see people, how do you embrace them? What do you do? Because I'll tell you this COVID-19 or not, I don't care. I come to your house, you come to mine. I don't care. I'm going to give you a hug because I love you. Because I believe that that is bigger than what's going on. I just do. I believe that human, I mean, it is proven scientifically that if you don't touch a baby, it dies. Yes, I believe true. all of this, we are working so hard to make magic happen. But there's also, there's a big part of us that's dying because of the lack of touch the lack of interaction trying to supplement communication virtually is a great idea in principle but let's go back to the first wedding we crashed you're not doing that on zoom <laughs> you're not no, that's it's it's a, that's a good point man there's a there's a lack of physical connection element that comes with the current situation we're in out of necessity and technology is amazing in that we can do what, I mean, in our lifetime, this has been achieved, right? I mean, this was not something you Huge. can do. I mean, bro, we still, we, we had, we still, <laughs> bro, in college where I'm a data. We had pagers, we had remember like a, pagers? We had, we had pagers and we had a roll of quarters in the cup holder. Cause you found a payphone, bro, try and find a payphone. I'll give you a hundred dollars. You can find a payphone. You can't, I mean, they're gone. Yeah. Right. And so we, this, this is amazing for a lot of things. I mean, this medium has allowed my dad sitting in Little Rock to watch my daughter dance in Louisiana remotely by logging in and putting in a code and he's watching it live. I mean, that's amazing. That's, that's awesome. Right. Um, but you're right. It's not a replacement. It's a, it's a supplement, uh, but it can't be a replacement. We are animals. We require touch. We require nuance. We require the ability to read body language and emotion and all that stuff has to take place in a in a uh, a tangible virtual not a virtual but a real world and 
uh, you know, so much of what I do for a living is driven wholly by interpersonal communication live and in the flesh. Right. So it's been a challenge both, both, uh, at home, uh, in my personal life and in my work life, because it's, it's hard to, um, you know, everyone's got clients that they know so well, it doesn't matter. But if you're trying, if you're a new guy on our team and you're trying to and introduce yourself to people, you're, you're limited to just the telephone. And, and there's a, there's a limit to what you can do with that. Uh, in, in some circumstances. So this makes this thing different. Um, I will say, um, unfortunately, it's a necessity. Uh, and for those of us who aren't um, aren't getting it, um, I would encourage you to get it because uh, if it gets out of hand, um, it's 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 gonna be a it's gonna be a rough ride for all of us. So um, and I don't I don't want COVID to take over the the podcast, but. Um, it's real, man. It's, no, here. We it's, a, deal it's an it. important part of what's going on in our lives, yeah. right? It's, well, and it's, I would say this, right? and, and what you said, I think it's a very important, and I, I would just I would, I'd subtly change a little bit and go, don't adopt this, but this is a pivot. And the pivot's okay. Before South by canceled, and I've said this a couple of times, so for the people listening, I apologize. But before South by canceled, I remember... I was mad because the first companies to pull out were Google, Facebook, YouTube, and I think Yelp. The first ones to pull out. All right, see ya. And I was mad and I said, you guys built the platform. You technologies built the platform for us to connect without human contact. You were the first to do it. Well, not the, Facebook, not the first, obviously. I mean, you got Friendster and the MySpace and Facebook, but you're the predominant platforms. And you said, I'm going to take my ball and go home and I'm not going to help. And I put that out there and my marketing friend, and he runs a, 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 one of the largest, most predictive analytic marketing firms in the world. And he goes, you don't understand, Jason. South by is about pressing the flesh. It's about having a beer with friends. It's about being in a conference room. And I go, and your answer is the problem. I'm not saying we have to have a change and I don't want to change, but I want to embrace a pivot. I want to embrace a subtle change in life that makes this happen so that no one's lost. You don't have to abandon everything in a pivot. In fact, a pivot is one of the most beautiful things in the world, right? You do a subtle step and then you go back to what you were doing. I mean, you and I played basketball. Think about the pivot, the pivot foot. What it allows you to do to go back do what you want to do. Marlon Watson right now is exploding. He's like, you don't understand the pivot. <laughs> well, I'm just thinking of that movie Cutting Edge that my wife loved, you know, where the hockey player oh, Jesus. falls in love with yeah, the, no, uh, yes, the ice yes. skater. <laughs> pivot! She keeps, the coach keeps yelling, pivot! 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 Uh, but it is. There's, there's, yeah. But there's a it, pivot. And smart companies and smart people embrace pivots. And dumb people don't understand a pivot and they go, no, we're just going to stop this. And then we're just going to wait till next year. Well, economies don't wait till next year. You know this better than anyone. You built a sales program and a platform and a distribution network in Vegas that was better than almost anywhere else in the U S there was a smaller market than anywhere else in the U S on a pivot. Yeah, you understand what it means. You understand subtle differences while still staying 
true to the core. And the fact that major marketing people, Facebook, Google, YouTube, Yelp, don't understand that blows my fucking mind. Well, I don't, Matt, so I'm on both sides of the fence here, man, with this thing. Um, I, I, I like it. I'm definitely sensitive, both selfishly and unselfishly, um, about the financial impact. And, and I read somewhere that, that, you know, speaking of canceling South by Southwest, that was like a $378 million impact to the city of Austin. Uh, Fell largely, really. So felt largely by those, those friends of ours that are in hospitality, food service industry, you know, those kind of things, right? Bartenders, barbacks, waitresses, et cetera, cleaning crews at hotels, hotel front management, all that kind of stuff. Uber, Lyft, and limo drivers, taxi cabs, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm super sympathetic to that. And I'm, and I'm, I'm, I understand um, what they're going through. I've, I've lived through times like that. Um, and so I definitely um, sensitive to that situation. However, if you don't get a rain on this thing, the economic impact will go so much more deeper, longer. Uh, I mean, dude, we have 965,000 hospital beds in the United States. Easy estimates, if we didn't start putting in place social distancing, where 8 to 12 million people need to be hospitalized. Where are they going to go? Oh, no, 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 no. A parking lot? No, I lot? agree with you on social distancing. No, I agree with you on social distancing, 100%. Okay. I'm just saying a digital pivot was never offered. It was canceled okay. I see what, uh, versus what you're a saying. digital pivot. And so, okay. Yeah, I so missed, it's, I, missed, I missed the point then a little bit. So what you were saying is, why don't we put it online? Yeah. Is that? Okay. Would that have helped like, why not? economically? I mean, Oh, dude, are you kidding me? So South by waited until the very last minute to cancel only because they didn't have the right insurance. So they didn't have to refund people's money. Wow. That's what they did. And they waited for the mayor to do it. And there was, so there's a, but B also, if you did, now you're going to make as much money on digital. No, you're not. But imagine this, every conversation, everything you were going to do, don't fly them in. L.A., New York, Miami. Social distance, 100%. Turn it into podcast. South by Southwest. Why don't you have a podcast? Yeah. Why aren't true. you letting? Why? Why? Why am I missing out on to go to one event so I can go to another event? If you turn it digital, right, as a pivot, just for one year as a pivot, I can absorb that information when I want to. And more importantly, SoundCloud, Apple, everybody allows you to track that. And when you track it, you know where your hotspots are. You know who's listening, why they're listening, what they're doing, who the person is, because they have to sign up and do it. My dumb podcast, Talking During Movies Here, right? I do shout outs to, uh, to the new download people, to the new cities. The, I mean, Russia. Bro, I can't believe France. some of the rando countries that are listening to you. <laughs> like it's, I mean, God thank, thank you for being here. And I love again <laughs> that, that this kind of thing can bring people together from all over is freaking amazing. But to look at it, I mean, so you guys have to understand I, I'm on a, I'm on a, geez, what, what's 96? What are we on? Like almost a 28, 25, 28 year run of friendship here. 
I've known this goon, yeah, I've known this goon a long, <laughs> long time. And th- to think that like there are people who really care what this dude has to say in New Delhi is a little is a little humbling and mind blowing all at the same time for me. So, uh, um, but I, it's and by cool, the way, man, what do you it's think super about the cool. New, but what do you think about the new serious, the deep media technology one? I shot you so some links I, to that. I, I was giving it a listen today with that incredibly intelligent gentleman that you had on, the the doctor, um, gosh, oh, the man, USC yeah. guy. Virtual? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, you know what, man? I was, I was getting into it. I got about 20 minutes into it. I was really getting into it. But again, I'm, I'm in my garage and I have a little Bluetooth oh, Bose sure. thing on my, on my safe that plays music and stuff while I'm out here hanging out. And I'm taking so many phone calls that it keeps inter- interrupting it, right? And then turning it off because I'm on the phone too long. And I'm like, you know what? I got to regroup because I was really enjoying what that gentleman had to say. I was really interested. So I got to regroup. But no, I like it, man. And that, that's the dynamic thing about you is we can be complete jackasses, but you're also ridiculously brilliant and, and you're engaging to talk to. And I think there is a, uh, I think there's a, an audience for both. And I think uh, much like someone like a Joe Rogan, I think you, I think you'll see a fair amount of crossover between the two, uh, because look, everyone wants to be silly and 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 make fart jokes, and no matter how old you get, and well, most people do. Some, I guess, don't. Um, those people, I pray for them. They're uptight, but um, you know, the, the, it gives. <laughs> Uh, but then you also like that. And, and honestly, I think that's one of the things I like about Joe is one minute I'm listening to some guy who, you know, is, is at the top of their craft or their field in, in something like artificial intelligence, which, you know, I know little about. And in the next minute, Bert Kreischer's on there with no shirt on, just acting like a goon. And it's, it's, but it's equally entertaining to me and I can pick and choose. I feel funny today. I feel serious. So I, I think, yeah, I think it's a home run, man. I'm only 20 minutes into one uh, podcast, but um, I, I was enjoying it enough that I wanted to save it and listen to it when I could actually give it some attention. So, well done. I mean, you're not really known for failing it much in your life. So, uh, again, I think you've done uh, you hit a home you. run there, buddy. So, thank you, man. No, it's it's a it's a it's a fun uh, it's a fun divergent trail of. Um, I mean, to give you an idea of who that gentleman is, Mensa is like the point zero zero one percent of society. And he's won, he last year, just last year, he won two Mensa awards. He's the 0.001% of Mensa. Oh, that guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, true, true intelligence like that is, is, is to me so attractive and humbling. It's, it's just, uh, um, I don't know, man. Uh, and people like that that are well, at the dude, tops of their field are, are just amazing. He said, you should see me email and he goes, Jason, we didn't talk. We didn't talk about this. We didn't talk about AI. We didn't Come talk on about back, this. brother. That's the glory of this. Like, we can do it again. Dude, I'll do it anytime. I'm, I'm, you got an open mic, bro. You're one of the smart. You're one of the top hundred smartest people in the world. Yeah, that's crazy, man. Crazy good times. And it's it's amazing that you want to spend time with me. So, and I, you know, I'll, I'll, it's a funny story. So I was, um, and this is wedding crashers esque, right? So we've got this super smart guy. Maniac and uh, I'm in LA and I call him up and I'm with Regan from People Magazine and his girlfriend and we are going downtown LA to uh, the top of uh, some hotel bar right in downtown LA. I forget the hotel name and if I remember I probably wouldn't give him a plug unless they called me. But no, no, I'm serious. Like I don't remember the hotel. But anyways, we're at the top of this hotel in downtown LA right by Staples Center. And I text him, I'm like, hey, we're going here. Do you want to meet up? He's like, yep. 
And he came and partied with us for three hours. Wow. And everybody was like, this guy's so funny. He's so engaging. He's so amazing. And I'm like, he's one of the, he's in the top 001% of human intelligence ever, ever. And they're like, not him. We just did a shot together. <laughs> and I'm like, nope. You don't understand how Google auto-completes. That's called a knowledge graph. No one knows more about knowledge graphs than him. Uh, artificial intelligence? Literally, no one knows more about it than him. Oh, and human trafficking sites? That little thing called Backpage where the FBI couldn't shut it down for years? They finally called him through a DARPA contract, and he shut it down in two key He's like, oh, your code's a little wrong over here. Do, 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 do. So that Done. was the shirt he had on. Yep, that was the picture. shirt. Okay, I wondered what yeah. that was about. It Again, I haven't gotten to that point in the podcast, but that's... Yeah, he uh, just made a shirt to let everyone know that he shut down human trafficking. Good for him. <laughs> good for him. <laughs> let me tell you, man. I, I'll, let me tell you the one good thing that's come out of human trafficking. Are you ready? It has mm -hmm. made me so egregiously overprotective of my 10 year old daughter. Uh, so I, I guess I got to tip my hat to, to human trafficking for that. Cause dude, I don't let that, that kid does not get out of my sight. And if you even no. if you even start to make me feel like you're creepy, we'll, we'll, we'll sort it out. We'll, we'll sort it out. Yeah. I mean, I'm for sure. And dude, it's crazy with this, this, you know, all the dance competitions and stuff. I can't tell you how many times, Ooh. dude. They've, they've, they've security takes some guy. I mean, cause you go, to, you go to these competitions. Um, uh, I mean, there, there could be 250, 300, 500 people. I mean, you go to a nationals. They're in Vegas, dude, in ballrooms. There's, there's 1,500 people there to watch kids dance, you know. And there's always the creeper dude who you can't figure out. Like, why are you here, bro? I don't see you with any kids, but you're right up front taking a lot of up close personal pictures of young ladies and nope. dance outfits. And yeah, I mean, uh, you'll see security haul one or two dudes out of every one of these things. And you're like, man, that's just, I don't get it. But props to that guy. If he managed to, to crush a little page of their success, good for him, man. Dude, what happened with us? I mean, obviously it's awareness and we, we and you have a great mother. You really do. Mm. I don't know. Fantastic. She's a great mother. Just, you, you know, just, Clip that out in audio and just send it to her and be like, look what Jason said about you. You're great. Yeah, I will. But also, I mean, like, I didn't have great parents. Funny obviously. story about, about us doing this from her. <laughs> Remind me when you're done with this point. Yes. But it's like, we still, great parents, bad parents, doesn't matter. Our generation was like, get outside. I don't need to fucking see you for the next five hours. Mm -mm. Get outside. My kid, I, I know... I know our neighbors. I know them. You want to go in their house? Ask me. And then ask the person I'm with, who happens to be the owner of the house, because we're standing outside, if you can go inside. And then you get to go inside, and I put a timer on. And if you're not out in a minute, you lose privileges. And it's... I, I wonder, A... What the fuck our parents were thinking? I mean, my parents, when I was eight, they were putting me on a 10-hour on a Greyhound bus ride. 
the, the world fuck? was the world was just different, man. It was it was obviously uh, it was obviously still there, right? Gross people have existed sure. since the beginning of time, just not at the level. And and you know, pick pick any one of a million things you want to attribute that to. I'm not going to go down that that wormhole. I'm not smart yeah. enough to pontificate on it, but it's just more prevalent, buddy. I mean, that's the simple truth. Is it's more prevalent. Um, and it's, it's more prevalent for a lot of reasons. Um, but it's a completely different world. And I know that makes us sound like our grandfathers are, I, I bought my first Schwinn for a dollar 85, you know, but um, it's the simple truth. The world's evolved to a point where, um, people aren't trustworthy. I mean, we have a no, we have a no sleepover rule, man. Like the, Dude, the, I'm people, down. That, the people that Ainsley, the people that Ainsley can spend the night with are limited to essentially family and a super rare exception of, of maybe two or three families in three states that we're, that we've built, you know, um, that we've got long tenured relationships with people like you, you know what I mean? Like, like Mike and Bethany Herms, who we've known for 30 years. Yes, you can stay, you can stay there for a month. I don't care. Right. Um, yep. but, uh, unfortunately that's the thing. Other little kids, if they'd like to spend the night here, we're totally okay with that, but I'm okay. If the parents aren't okay with that too, we've, we've had little parties where some of the kids stay the night, um, some of the parents come in and hang out with us for an hour or two, get a vibe, then maybe let them stay or don't let them stay. Some say, Hey, I'll drop her off, but I'm going to pick her up at 11. Dude, I get it. Like, I get it. The world's changed. You know, some parents say, Hey, she can come to the party, but we stay there too. Great. We always have a little spot set up for the parents to hang out and you meet some new people and have a beer or a glass of wine or whatever. It's cool. But, uh, it sucks that it's changed that way. But dude, I used to spend, volumes of time far from my home as a child. Like when I was like eight, it wasn't uncommon for me to be a mile and a half in the woods away from my grandparents' house solo with like a hatchet and and like a lighter and no water, no food, just like maybe my canteen because it was cool and it said like G.I. Joe on it or whatever. And I was out. I mean, who knows? Uh, and uh, you know, maybe we were lucky that, you know, we, we ended up not having any issue with it, but, um, it sucks a little bit. Um, but that's been taken from our kids to a degree, but you can, you can teach and coach and parent around it, I think, but yeah, it's a different world, man. So, so funny story. Um, Sharon goes, my mother, for those of you listening, <laughs> who knows, who knows this One guy waits pretty well. Uh, she no, said, very, very, so very well. she goes, so now, um, you two aren't just going to go get on this, this internet thing and just drink and cuss at each other for two hours. Are you? And I said, uh, mom, I, it, it it's Jason. and she goes, <laughs> and this is what she said. So I'm walking out and she goes, well, I don't know who this is for or who consumes it. Uh, people on the internet. Um, she goes, but, uh, you're both better than that. That's what she said. <laughs> I love her. You know, so so your, hear my your mom grandmother. Is, I'm, four, I'm almost forty-seven. She is seventy, and she's still letting me know where the line is and what I'm allowed to cross and not cross. So God bless her, dude. Richard Sherman dance from your grandmother. <laughs> no, it was the Merton. Like the way bro. he moves. It was the Merton. What's Hanks. that? Richard Sherman. Merton Hanks. Right. It was Merton Hanks. That's right. Merton Hanks. You like yeah. that? My my grandmother. I like, rest her I like soul the way he that. moves. That sweet woman, my grandmother was an enormous college and NFL football fan. Um, Georgia Bulldogs and and Los Angeles Rams. Um, She celebrated in zone celebrations 
drove that poor woman batshit crazy. She would get so pissed. I mean, if you did anything more than like a slightly understated spike or handing the ball to the referee, dude, it was, it was, she was up and like, I didn't care who was in the room. That dude's mom could be in the room. She was letting people know that was ridiculous. So funny story. I'm in high school, um, played sports in high school, played football in high school. And, um, I was, um, I was, what did I do? I think I, gosh, it's been a hundred years. I want to say I either ran back a punt or I ran back an interception and it was a big deal. It was like a pivotal play and none of this matters. I was like 15 and in high school, but the point of the story is I got in the end zone matter to I, her and I backflipped in the end zone to oh, celebrate you son of a and bitch. And then, and then, and then, and then instead of like handing the ball to the ref, I like, I like flung it, you know, not, not like trying to be disrespectful to the ref. I just like, you know, threw it in the air like a hand grenade or something before that was even cool or I even knew what I was doing. So I come off, you know, my team celebrate with me. I'm on the sidelines and I'm sitting down on the metal bleacher and you know, the, the girls bringing me water or whatever. And, um, I, I feel a tap on my shoulder. My grandmother has removed herself <laughs> from the stands, come all the way down from the top. Cause she liked to sit up by the box so she could see the whole field walked all the way down the grandstands through the cheerleaders through, I don't know. I mean, back then there wasn't like security and stuff in the middle of nowhere in, in Northern California, right through security coaches. I don't really give a shit who you are on a little mission. And she, and I turned around and she leans over and she goes, act like you've done it before. And that end zone celebration all the way through college. I ever did. I scored a touchdown. I ran over the ball, got handed to the referee, and I went back to go do my business. That was it. That was one my one and only moment in the sun. But uh, she was the look on her face, dude. She was disappointed, pissed, all at one time. Me- memory lane, memory lane. In in their house, Ralph pissed. TV's too loud. Football's on. <clears throat> Ralph comes back in. Hey, TV's too loud. I shoot a glare at some kid, make him cry. He runs up the stairs. And your grandmother walks in because Ralph's coming out like three times. TV's too loud. And now a kid's crying. And she's wondering what we're doing. And there's an end zone celebration. She goes, and one of the kids, it wasn't you or I, but one of the kids is like, yeah, they scored a touchdown. And she goes, you want to see a dance? And did a dance, in, an end zone mm. dance in front of all the kids and goes, it's ridiculous if I do it or if he does it. You've been there before. And then walked in and ate dinner. One and, of thus my the favorite, Merton, and thus one of the my Merton <laughs> Hanks Mildred Dowling shuffle was created. And that was legendary <laughs> in our circle of friends. And then it got to the point where like my buddies would come home from college for like Thanksgiving because they were all homeless. And they'd walk in and be like, Grandma, do the Merton Hanks, and she would just stop whatever she's doing and do this. It, yeah, it almost looked it. like a, a seizure happening on an older woman, but um, yeah, that woman, dude. Let me tell you that 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 chick, she um, that she was one hundred percent. You know, they the the new girls today and the hip hop community say they're a bad bitch. That lady was one hundred percent the original gangster bad bitch from Sylvester, Georgia, dude. She did not play. She was not having it. Didn't care about nothing. She would let you know what's up. She could cook her eyeballs out. And, uh, yeah, she, oh, uh, she was, a, she was big in the room, man. She was a little lady, but she was, she had a massive personality. So yeah, she was, she was something else, man. She was cool. I'm glad a lot of my friends got a chance to meet her. She was a cool chick. One of the, 
one of the best. It's it's funny. Um, it, it's always it's it's so interesting, right? Because I think about our lives, and it, it, this ties back to Wedding Crashers, you fucking savages. Do they get mad when we not like tie into the movie? Oh well, they they they, they send me emails. You forgot my favorite part, and I'm like, well, I don't know you, so I don't know your favorite part. There's a hot part. redhead on the beach Obviously. talking to Vince Vaughn. Later, she yeah. goes crazy, oh. and it's it's super hot. Anyway, but it's funny because they talk, you know, all their relationships, all their all what what built them, all the people around them, and it's interesting because you have pros and cons, right, of of, of the pluses and minuses of life that made you who you are and the interactions of who you had, right? Uh, um, two, two stories real quick. One, my wife's cousin's kid, he's, the, he's one of the few kids that scored a perfect on the SAT and ACT. Wow. He could go anywhere. And he wanted to stay close to home. And I, don't, I forget what college he chose, but he chose someplace in Kentucky. And, you know, the reason was is financial and there's all these things. And that's and that's great. He's a very smart kid in that. But I was I was trying to explain to him and to my wife the network that you create in college is what's important. College is actually inconsequential. It's four years. You're going to learn some stuff, but it really is about a network and about alumni. And Justin McEntee at Vanguard understood that, and he's actually built a great alumni network. But generally speaking, there's a lot of colleges that don't have that. And what that means is, is when times are tough now, when things are happening, you have a network to call on to ensure that you're employed, to ensure you're in the front of the line, to ensure that everyone knows who you were in college and how great you were and that you've you've continued to move that ball forward. And the same goes with parents and relationships, right? I mean – Ralph was a tough-ass stepdad on you, but he was great, and I loved Ralph, and I'd give Ralph a hug any day of the week and twice on Tuesday, and same with Sharon. Your mom was tough. She was amazing. Your grandparents were tough and amazing. My mom's been married five times, and it's not a woe is me. It is I just got to experience so many different people, and oddly enough, on my graduation, you got to experience four of them because they all showed up. We shot hoops, we played around, we goofed off, and they were all there. And the experience is of who we of what we've of what we've done and who we've interacted with really make who we are. And they make the network of who we are. And the network of who we are and the people we can reach out to is so important. It's not it's not important on a great day. It's Ultrally important on a great day because you share in your success and you're not jealous about someone doing something better than you. You share in that. And it's ultra important on a bad day because you don't share in misery. You build each other up because you have that network. You have that complexity that allows you to, to dig in and go, yeah, but remember the college days? Remember what we did? Do you remember this? We can do more with that. We can be better. We're going to be better. We're going to go stronger. And I bring all that up because in the differences of our lives, sure, both divorce, but my mom decided to really aggressively go after marriage and, uh, and that's okay. But it's, it's more of like, how do you want to absorb that information? How do you want to take it in? 
How do you want to be a better person? Do you want to sit down and go, man, my mom got married a lot. Uh, my life sucks. A or B, my mom got married a lot and I pulled the best out of people that I could to try to make myself better. And then in college, I surrounded myself with people that didn't actually tell me I was great. In fact, on the opposite, they challenged me to be a better person. And when I did bullshit things like my dorm room's going to burn down, send someone in to fix my fire extinguisher, it's cool I had beers, but you still said, hey, stop being a bitch, man. You're making my life difficult. That's a friend. And I bring all this up because I, I don't think people understand anymore what friendship means. I think they, 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 I think, they think it means I'm just going to make you feel good. I'm going to sit here and go, you know what? You're doing good. I remember a day, and I don't know if you remember this. I remember a day we had, uh, we had all had too much to drink. And this no, is 20 no, years. No, stop. How long, how, long, how long have you been married? How long have you been married? False. How long have you been married? I will be 19 years in July. So this is 18 years ago, maybe 17 years ago. And if this is too personal, you can stop me. But I remember, um, and as we all, any newlywed remembers, it's good, and then it gets tough, and then it gets better. Oh, yeah. And I remember you and Mike Herms and me and a couple other guys sitting around and you're like, dude, I just don't know what's going on and I can't figure this out. And Mike Herms put his arm around you in his garage and he goes, I'm your friend and I'm telling you, don't quit. Don't stop. She loves you. You love her. Don't forget that. You're not doing anything else. And sleep somewhere tonight. You can sleep somewhere tomorrow night. But don't forget this. I remember that as crystal clear as it can be. Why? Because that's a friend. He didn't placate. He didn't play the game. Oh, yeah. Fuck this and do this and blah, 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 this and blah, blah, blah. He didn't. He was a friend. He was honest. He was direct. And I bring this up because I really do believe that I think people are missing out on that component right now. Not just right now in COVID-19. I'm talking right now and like just the ease of life of just fluidity. That they miss a moment and a time where they just they just don't there's not a challenge. And that goes back to the movie. I mean, if you watch this movie, then the comedy of errors that happens, the comedy of errors is two friends challenging one another to be better. And we're so lucky between you and Mills and John and Herms, we have figured out a way to communicate with no bullshit, even in the hardest times, no bullshit, and make ourselves better. And that goes back 
to college in my mind. That goes back to a fundamental place of, of an alumni network, a network of friends and people that go, you know what? You're not going to like this. And we don't have to say you're not going to like this. We just say. And that, that honesty and that reality is something that, quite honestly, um, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't hear enough of it in friend groups. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I mean, I think, first of all, we're blessed um, <laughs> in a unique situation in that um, it was the right group of people at the right time at the right place. Um, you know, we had the benefit of attending a school that at the time we were there had between 1800 and 2100 kids, which, sure. you know, which uh, farms a more um, intimate, um, you know, lifestyle. Uh, it's not USC where there's, you know, 85,000 people running around. Um, no, no diss to USC, but it's just different. Right. No. So, um, and I, I think I think that there was a breeding ground there to create relationships like this should you chose to uh take advantage of it right so um i think it's twofold i think one we were given an opportunity uh in a in a bit of a unique college circumstance and then we capitalized on the opportunity and and going back to what you said dude i i um I do not need to be placated. I, I don't, I don't have, I don't need it. I, I, I don't have time for it. You know what I mean? So for me, um, I think that, um, I, I think our group of friends gravitated together over, uh, a common thread of like-mindedness. Not that we're all the same or we all, we don't tolerate people who don't believe the ways we believe. I just think, there were a group of dudes that were there that don't need to be placated. Don't need to deal with the bullshit. Like we just, we can, we can be real and, and no one's, no one's getting their feelings hurt. I think that's part of it. Um, and again, at the risk of sounding like the old guy, um, I think part of what's happening is um, society is becoming a little too sensitive Right. And I know that sure I'm starting to flirt with, you know, the no, the no fly zone, but um, it, it is, I mean, you know, people make reference to the nerfing of society or whatever. Um, I think that, I think that's part of the element, man. I, I think that a lot of the ways we interacted and spoke to each other um, would, would, seem foreign to a large group of the population today. Um, and, um, I don't know, I don't know, maybe that's, maybe that's why we see a difference. I would agree with you, any young person, um, in school or, or headed off to college, um, you are about to embark on an adventure where you will build the most important relationships of your life. Um, yep. and that as well as your studies, I think should be the priority, um, I'll tell you, as someone who interviews and hires, um, I could give a rat's ass if you're college educated. I got guys on my team that gone to schools like Pepperdine and USC and Alabama, and I got other dudes on my on my team that went into the military or 
jumped right into the workforce and never did a moment's uh, in a college classroom. Both of those guys can sell their ass off. Um, I, for me, uh, as, as someone who hires, um, really all I look at is, did you finish it? Did you start something and finish it? And if you didn't, why? Sure. And, and, and again, okay. not finishing school isn't a you know, dagger in the neck either. Um, but that to me, it's, I, think, I think college provides a more well-rounded individual because it forces you to take pottery and basket weaving and art appreciation and music and things that maybe you wouldn't go do. And, it, and while you may begrudgingly do it at the time, it makes you more well-rounded. You can speak to a variety of different people on a variety of different things, right? Because you've learned a little bit about a little bit. Um, and I think that there's a state. You got, you got guys coming up to you. Sure. You got guys coming up to you with GQ license plates from Montana. Very handsome. Should Just we tell the world that town. story? Should we tell the good go, people of New go, Delhi and Kazakhstan? You tell it. Yeah. You tell it, so, please. You're going to tell so, it better than I am. I think, I think two stories. <laughs> I, think, I think two stories the listeners please. need to need to know in order to fully grasp who their host is. Uh, let's talk about how we met oh, first, God. because yep. one leads to the other. Sure. You, you are, you are bound by law, podcast law, uh, uh, to not interrupt this story and it must get told. Done. Um, Done. so small college. Um, I worked on, I've been in construction my entire life. My grandfather was in construction and I, it appealed to me at a very young age and I would go to work with him and I've, I've been in or around the business since I was eight years old. So I'm, I'm almost pushing 40 years. Um, and, uh, uh, so I got a job at our school on the maintenance team. Um, so we would, you know, we'd, you'd, you'd go in, there'd be all these work tickets, uh, you know, my toilet is backed up or my light won't turn on or whatever it may be. And you would run around and you'd take care of these. And quickly, because I had a higher aptitude, they started farming me out to the bigger jobs. Like, hey, we need to rewire the post office. Okay, well, I would go do that job or whatever, right? Or we need to build a new classroom out of scratch in this building. And so I would go and do the all framing all and, and all that safe. stuff. Right. So I would, I would go do these things, but everyone had to take a turn being on call for emergency type things like, Hey, I'm on the seventh floor and my toilet is overflowing and it's going to run down seven floors. Right. So emergency type stuff. So on this particular week I was on call. Um, I, it was, a it was a, a, a school day. It was a, a weekday. So I'd already been up and been to classes. I was an exercise sports science major. And I think for whatever ridiculous reason, they just decided that anyone that was in my major had all the classes that started at like seven in the morning. So uh, I'd worked all afternoon and I was tired and I had just made a grilled cheese sandwich and gotten myself like a nice big bowl of like, I don't know, whatever, you know, lucky charms. Cause that's all that was good at that cafeteria that we had in our college. And I just sat uh, down to enjoy I, this until, until, hold on, different until story when you broke in <laughs> and cooked us food, total <laughs> different story. Um, but that's, that's for another time. Cause see, this is you, you're going to do the whole, Oh wait, smoke over here i'm gonna tell this story if this podcast takes six fucking hours the world's gonna hear this so feel free just keep interrupting i won't be i won't be dissuaded from my i just want people to know that you ate well around me so i just sat down no one cares no no one cares how good a cook you are so i just sat down to eat this masterpiece it's literally eight minutes before the cafeteria is going to close and the pager goes off saying that there's an emergency call and so I'm like, okay, look, 
nothing really is that big of an emergency that I can't smash this grilled cheese sandwich. So I'm, I'm eating real quick. It goes off again. It goes off again. Then the phone I carry, which is super rare, it was like literally a cordless phone because, I mean, there are probably cell phones existed, but Vanguard wasn't going to pay for one, that's for sure. So I literally think I had like a cordless phone that would reach back to, you know, the base station or C- it was a CB. It was a radio. I had a radio. I had a walkie-talkie. It goes off. It's my boss who lives on campus. And Todd's like a great dude. Todd's like, hey, dude, there's I need you to take this call. I said, no sweat, man. I was literally just trying to finish the sandwich. He goes, cool. Take your sandwich to go. The ticket's printing off in the office. I need you to, to get on to, to get after this call. I said, okay, well, what is it? He goes, we have a non-functioning fire alarm in on the fourth floor of the guy's dorms. And I went like in a room and he goes, yeah, like the smoke detector. And I'm like, you're joking. And he goes, no. So backstory. Our college was built in, I believe, 19 early. I mean, it was formed as a college in 20. Um, the like dorms, dorm were, was built, the like dorms the were built in World War II because it was an army base. It was an army air force base. Yep. So these are, these are literally people. This is a concrete box. Okay. These dorm rooms are made out of concrete cinder block on the left. Concrete cinder block on the right, concrete cinder block and poured concrete under your feet under a thin layer of carpet. And the roof above you was acoustical ceiling that was sprayed in on top of, you guessed it, the concrete floor above you. It's literally a concrete box one door and one window. If everything in the room caught fire, it would burn for about six minutes and cause no damage outside of the room. So... I'm like, okay, man, I'll go. And he goes, I know it sounds crazy. He goes, this kid's mom has called me like 12 times. She's got the, she's worked her way up. She's called the Dean of the college, Wayne Crace back in the day, Dub K. She's called him. She, when she didn't get the response she wanted from him, this woman had called the school's insurance company and was threatening them. And I'm like, Oh, you gotta be kidding me. So Little backstory, we went to a small private Christian college, a lot of great people there. There were also a lot of kids there that were, you know, sheltered. They came from quiet homes, middle of nowhere. I won't pick on any particular states, but the ones in the middle you fly over. Uh, they'd come from those, and they were kind of sheltered. Never seen a rated R movie, never danced, you know, never used a cuss word. You know, it's cool. Again, I'm not, I'm not fronting. It's just a different group. Like, I'll give you an example. One of the kids on my floor was 18 years old. And the first time I saw him was at like two in the morning, I was going to the bathroom and he had on full length Tigger pajamas with like the feet in him and everything. Now, most, most 18 year old men, because you're an adult at that point, wouldn't rock that look to bed, but it is what it is. Right. So in my head, I'm picturing, I'm picturing one of these kids. Uh, Okay. One of these little soft chicky nuggets that's in his, you know, Tigger pajamas or whatever. And so, and I'm pissed. I'm just going to be straight up. I know it's my job. I get paid to do it. I'm frustrated as hell because this is not an emergency. I'm telling you, it's not an emergency. You could pour lighter fluid on this building. It wouldn't light on fire. So I go in and the door's ajar. So I knock and I walk in and there's this dude with his back to me and he's got on some shirt that advertises some brewery in Montana. He's bald. Did you have a goatee? Yeah. Yeah. He's he's, he's licked bald. (laughs) He's goatee. Kid stands up. This is a kid. This is a farm boy, man. This kid's 6'1", 225, 215, 225. I mean, this is a good sized human being. I'm like, oh, it must be his roommate. <laughs> so <laughs> it wasn't. Uh, you lived with a small guy that was yoked. What was his name? Cool dude. Bushy hair. Can't remember. But Ryan, Ryan File. Ryan File. So it wasn't Ryan either. So 
but I'm thinking in my head, this kid's too cool to have a mom that's crazy about a fire fire thing. So I walk in, I'm like, Hey bro. I'm like, I guess I got to fix the, the smoke detector. He goes, yeah, it's that one right there. It's chirp. And I'm like, I, I don't know. I mean, I get, I guess your roommate's mom or whatever has been blown up. He's called like the school's insurance company or whatever. And he goes, no, bro, that was Brenda. And I'm like, it was Brenda. And he goes, that's my mom. And I'm like, you realize I was in the middle of like an epic grilled cheese to come do this. And this is not an emergency. And, and, and Jason's like, yeah, I could give a shit about it other than it's making noise, but sorry, dude, that's my mom. And I'm like, it's all good. So mind you, Christian school, dry campus. Uh, you're not supposed to have booze. I know you're supposed to drink. You signed this covenant that you won't do anything unholy. And uh, he's like, bro, at least I can do you want a beer. And I'm like, Oh yes, sir. I do. And so you <laughs> gave me something that was one of Montana's finest. Cause you had just returned from the motherland. Black star and- beer. Was it a black star? I don't even know if it was mm-hmm. or not. Um, but anyway, black star beer, double short, hop, dry I, I climbed up on the desk and fixed this thing in like four seconds. And uh, we proceeded to what? Have two or three beers together. I then introduced you to some of the guys Harling on my Chris floor. Wilson. And, and yep. um, yeah, because those of us who drank were a small minority at, Van- at Vanguard back in Southern California College. And so we got back there. So I met the host of this program because his mom, Brenda, whom I love, is a little bit that shit crazy and called the school's insurance company and took me away from my Cheerios. So that's how I met you. So flash forward, you know, we're hanging out and, and I, I like this dude. I like what he's about. I'm from a small town in California and the central coast. And he's a, he's a Montana kid and we got a lot in common the way we were raised, how we grew up and what's right and wrong, all that stuff. And I'm really feeling this dude. We pull in one night. We're in my Mitsubishi Mighty Max pickup truck. I think we're riding two or three deep in that little tiny rascal. And we come pulling in, and I see this Honda Accord hatchback with um, Montana license plates. <laughs> and it says GQ, like the magazine. And I'm like, who's this motherfucker that's got GQ plates? And I'm and I'm just, I'm shitting on this, right? And mind you, at this point in my life, I'm, I'm literally, I probably have on Justin Roper cowboy boots that have duct tape around them to hold them together. I am not by any means. I am the antithesis, antithesis, whatever that is, of GQ. Uh, I'm, as I talk to you now in my flannel shirt from my garage. But uh, I, I was not. And so I am just crushing this poor kid. Jay goes, that's my car, bro. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, I and looked at him. Who, who got me the license plate it doesn't even matter I, no I, it I, does because it's the same person that pulled you out from your grilled cheese sandwich and made you fix oh, brenda. a smoke detector God bless her. Brenda. brenda because she thought i was fashionable for montana because what you wore like khakis with a belt and your shirt tucked in yeah you had that you had that silk, braided silk. leather belt from the gap didn't you Silk shirt. Uh, Maurice's menswear, sir. How dare you? The gap didn't exist. Maurice's menswear. How did you even happen in a land of people that literally carry axes and huge chainsaws into the restaurant to eat? Like, how did you eat that? You're such an anomaly. Hold on, hold on, hold on. For Montana. Hold on. You should have grown up. You've got to do the. You've got to do the backstory. You have to do the backstory of why you know that that exists in Montana. Oh, well. Spring break. So, 1996. Yeah, so, yeah, something right in there. Yeah, that sounds right. So we drive. 1996. You and I. And by the way, by the way, on. real quick. Yep. Backstory is Montana has more has had more snowfall during from December through March 
than any other time in the history of the state. We have 10 feet of snow at our house. Remember how much the snow was? Oh, no, it was bananas. So we decided to take spring break when normally kids go to places like Palm Springs and Hawaii and Mexico and, you know, Key West and, and what's that, South Padre Island here in the beautiful state of Texas. We decided to go to Whitefish, yeah. Montana, um, which yeah. I'm all in because I'm an outdoors guy. I love the mountains. I'd rather the cold than the hot. That's how I roll. So I'm all in on this thing. I had no real idea what what an epic winter in Montana looked like. I'd never been for those who haven't been it montana is literally paradise <laughs> if you like the mountains it's it's gorgeous it's pristine it's beautiful whitefish is i can't believe 73 million people don't live there it's that awesome so anyway we get there and he's not kidding you like you you can't see most of the first story of his parents two story home it the snow is that you it's like can't a turn, tunnel you can't turn left no it's like a tunnel to get into the front door i remember we used to throw the dog off the the blue healer we'd yeah. throw her off the balcony into the snowdrift and she would like tunnel her way out she loved it she would literally disappear you just throw her off the balcony yeah. she'd fall like two feet into this 10 foot tall snowdrift and then just disappear and then pop out in like five minutes happy as can be because she like tunneled out of the out of the snow anyway um so we decide to go there for spring break and uh jason takes us to a bar in the middle of the day and we go in and mind you, I, I'm, I'm one of those dudes. I'm just me at, all the time for better or for worse. This is what you get. So I'm in like, like warm up sweatpants, I think like Nike, like, uh, like jogging pants, you know, where they had the little zipper that came up like six inches on your, on your, so you can pull them on over your shoes or whatever. And a shirt on that says like SCC volleyball. Uh, Cause I was on the club volleyball team at school and like, you know, my goofy Sinjin Smith volleyball wave haircut that I probably have and like flip-flops. And we walk into this And we're with Scott Castanon, who's Scott also Kassanon. a six-foot-tall Mexican. Yeah, I mean, we're, you know, six-foot-tall, handsome Mexican dude with voice of an angel, if you're listening, Scott. It's still one of the best voices I've ever heard. Uh, so we walk in uh, to this bar, and it, literally, it's the first time in my life that I – lived the phrase the record skips like skirt over the year. that's what it there are in the corner there are four men at a table everything they have on is flannel or camouflage in patterns mm -hmm. that don't necessarily intersect there's some orange hats mixed in from the whole hunting thing they have got a, a 397 pound rottweiler with a head the size of a yeti ice chest laying at their feet inside this establishment and they're having lunch. And I'm not kidding you when I tell you there are two enormous, like 20 pound Paul Bunyan axes and a Husqvarna chainsaw with a blade on it. That's like seven feet long sitting at their feet and they're just having lunch. Yeah. And I was like, where, where are we? And why didn't I go to Palm Springs? <laughs> and what did I say? It's like, we're going to come here and party tonight. And you're like, no, we're not. So let's talk like, about yeah. other. Do you have Canadian listeners? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got Canadian listeners. Okay. Well, Canada, here's a fun story about your host that you'll enjoy. So Jason was connected um, with Black Star Brewery, which is based in Whitefish, Montana. Are they still around? Are they still doing their yeah, thing? Yeah, they're still around. It's a great northern brewing company now. But yeah, they're still okay. around. They're still making good beer. Um, and they made a seasonal lager called the huckleberry lager which i guess oh, you so delicious you, huckleberries are only native in montana and is that correct 
parts of Canada, but yes, just that region. Okay. Uh, grizzly so, bears love them. Eat them up. So Jason <clears throat> is explaining this whole thing to us. The beer is fantastic. If you ever have the opportunity, listeners, grab some. It's it's maybe the best beer I've ever had, to be honest with you. Uh, and so <clears throat> we are uh, we are up there for the spring break thing, and we end up at another bar. Uh, we played in another thing I've never done before. We played in a four-on-four co-ed snow volleyball um tournament on the side of big big mountain right the ski resort yep yeah so it's after all this and we're in the bar and we're we're drinking and there's some some pretty young ladies there and they're canadian and i'm all about people from other places i like to show the love and we're having conversation with these ladies and um, jason has been telling us for days about how canadian I don't know if you'd call them tourists or whatever would come across the border and they would harvest the huckleberries because it's like a, it's, it's a thing. Like they're that delicious. Right. So um, I thought it was just a phrase from tombstone. I know your huckleberry, but it's a real thing. And so uh, we are in this establishment and we're, you know, we go in at probably one o'clock. We've had two meals at this point. We are blind drunk. Scott is on stage singing with the band. Uh, because the lead singer literally just goes, dude, you're better than me. Just sing. Like, and so he just yep. like, let him do his job. Do you remember the girl crossing the, uh, the, the eye beams to get close to Scott and threw her panties at him? Yes. 100%. Uh, yeah. unbelievable. So, oh, so <clears throat> anyway, um, apparently some of the guy friends of the Canadian girls that we have now spent nine hours with getting blind drunk and are growing, attached to, I guess, for lack of a better term, have showed up. And they're a little, you know, dudes, they get frisky. We're moving in on their girls, whatever. Uh, don't be mad at me that I'm more handsome than you. Just kidding. So we're, we're kind of in a little bit of that whole tough guy standoffy thing going on, right? And they fire some shot over the bow about the good old U.S. of A. I can't remember what it was. It could have been who knows what. Jason looks back over at this dude and in all seriousness leans over the table and goes, I get it, dude. You're mad because all you are is our fucking top hat. And then we were in a bar fight <laughs> just like that because apparently Canada does not like to be referred to as our hat. Um, I don't know if that's some local insider thing. I don't know if that's true. I don't know if like, I don't know if like, um, I, I, I'm so bad at like geography, but I don't know if like, a South American country called another South American country a top hat, or like if I called Oklahoma our top hat in Texas, I don't know if that's a reason to go, but I can tell you what, in Whitefish, Montana, at a ski resort, reason that is to a go, reason to, to throw hands. And so we, uh, while Scott sang the soundtrack, Jason and I rearranged some furniture with some of these kids from from uh, Canada. But uh, yeah, don't uh, you know, don't don't say they're our hat. They don't like that. One of one of my favorite moments of that trip was. We go back to the same bar where there's the axes and the Rottweiler and the crazy guys. And there's a line and we walk right up to the front. We get inside because I know the owner. And Yeah, now all of a sudden it's things. like a nightclub for 20-somethings. Earlier it was yeah, where nightclub murderers were. And now it was like, you know, some sort of like mini nightclub. Vegas nightclub. I was like, well, oh, okay, fair enough. But you also remember what we got? It was, a, it was the runway, right? We got a, we got a, uh, I'd order us a drink and it was three every time. And it was a vodka crayon. What was that kid's name? John. Who was your buddy that worked there? John. It was John. Yeah. And then he, Gosh. and then, and then a double shot of Jaeger, and we'd have to do those. 
And I was like, hey, if you bump into someone, be super polite. Um, it's a nightclub environment. But remember, the people are here earlier. And I remember Scott being kind of, you, you, were, you were like, yep, I'm on it. Scott was a little flippant with it. And we're standing there. And literally, as I said it, this guy goes, bumps into someone. And he goes, ah, whatever. And the guy was local. And he goes, you say, excuse me. And he goes, yeah, I said, whatever. And then popped him right in the fucking face in front of all three of us. His nose explodes. He drops to the ground. And John goes, there's a spill on aisle three and calls the bouncer over. And the guy who was rude, who's got a now a broken nose and teeth missing, is getting dragged out. And the guy he bumped into, who he did not apologize to, he got a free drink. Because someone was rude to him, and he should have been polite. And I remember Castanon looking over going, okay, this can't happen again. Like, now I'm on with Brett. Like, now I understand. We're going to be super polite to everybody. <laughs> yeah, real polite. Because getting hit in the head with one of those mall axes that weighs 20 pounds is not a good look for anybody. <laughs> not a good look. Yeah, catching the blunt end of that thing is not a good day. Dude, that was one of the most epic trips. Because I also remember Scott um, turning <laughs> sorry, on the cold I just looked water. over at the movie. <laughs> I know, he's just getting ball gagged. Getting underwear shoved in his mouth. Love <sighs> but it was, it was one of those things I remember also... Scott's like, oh, your water's really cold here. I'm like, no, it's cold water's cold water. Like in SoCal, you have hot water. We didn't really have hot water in Montana. We had warm water for showers and then just ice cold water. That's just kind of what it was. There was no middle ground. Well, first no, of like, all, when you're water. in an environment that is that ecologically pristine, you're drinking snow that just thawed a little bit. Like, that's it. Sure. And the water there was, the tap water there would just shit on Fiji. I mean, it was, it, it was, again, it was one amazing. of the most amazing, amazing places I've ever been. I'd love to. I'd, I'd tell you, if I won the lottery, uh, it would be, uh, it would be a toss up between the Whitefish area and Lake Tahoe for the mountain house because uh, Ooh, both see, of them are just amazing. I think about I think about Evergreen, Colorado, and Whitefish, Montana. Is where do, where if I win the lotto, where do I where do I build a compound for 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 our people? No offense to everyone <laughs> listening, but listen, man, I got people. Yeah, and by if our I people, he means our friends, not our people that look like us. Let's be clear. Yeah, yeah, no, our friends like that's our how group. David Koresh rumors get started. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like, but our our group, our people. Uh, John Keeling taught taught me the R people thing. Obviously, he's racist, but for sure, <laughs> I, I think he might be a neo Nazi. I'm not sure. John, if you're listening, get right. <laughs> get it right, son. Right, embrace embrace it a little differently. It's not our people. It's just friends. We are the fight, world, John. But it's like I think about Evergreen, Colorado, and I think about Whitefish, Montana, and I go, man, where do I want to live? Where am I building the compound? That everyone, because my idea is, and this is the other thing that I think people don't understand who have good friends, and I apologize because I just, I don't think when I talk to other people that have friends and I talk to them about stuff and they're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, oh, you don't have good friends. I don't mean it negatively. I'm just like, 
I win the lotto. I don't, I'm not here to pay all my friends salaries. I want them to be engaged and doing what they love to do. Um, and if they want to do something differently, I will, I will do everything I can to, to help them grow and do what they want to do. 100%. At the same time, I want to build a compound and I don't care where it is, but the compound isn't like, that's oh, my compound. The compound is a fan. It's, it's my fan. Everyone gets FedEx to keep. Everyone gets a calendar. You want to go? Go. You want to have fun? You want to experience this, you know, 8,000 square foot thing on a river or on a lake? Good. Do it. You should. And when buying surrounding properties so that if shit hits the fan, I've got little... I've got cabins. I got little casitas around here. I got I got everything. And if things got bad, we got a place to go. Now, obviously, I haven't won the lottery. Obviously, no one's decided to um, put this into a television deal or or some you know HBO thing. Whatever. Come on, HBO. Come on, man. Just understand my goal. It's not to get rich. It's to supply for my friends. But seriously, it's yeah, the I'd idea like of everything because. You said you weren't just going to like hand out salaries to your buddies, but when you had the aforementioned racist on your last podcast, you were going to pay him 300 grand to just sit in the corner and look pretty. I mean, but no, that's not true. He was going to work. Listen, he's seven feet tall. That motherfucker's going to work. What are you going to have him do? Get the shit on the high shelves? Like, is that what his job's going to be? No, no. He's got to listen. He's got to do his sales thing. He's got to do his touch me thing. He's got to, he's got to get creepy. And I'm going to videotape it all. I'm going to destroy his life. So I own him. That's, 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 that, that, that is, that is where I I like, you want you, oh, you've done some nursing. Hey, guess what? Times are tight. The lotto check hasn't come for two weeks. You have to do some pornos, John. Do some pornos. It's going to be fine. I got to I got to He could do medically themed pornos. Like exactly. nurse pornos. I'm just, that's hot. I'm sure there's a whole group of people on the internet that love that. Yeah, sure. Listen, it's, there's no free rides. At the same time of the world of no free rides, it is, I think people... I mean, I feel like, except for me, I feel like except for me, because of all of the things I've had to endure at the hands of you, I kind of feel like I I I could get paid to do nothing. Name one. Name one. Name one. Name one. Name, okay, I'll name one. Um, Feel free to edit out, but I'll I'll name one. No, there's no editing on this podcast. Hey bro, hey, hey bro, it's me. Uh, um, I need your help. Oh, okay, Jason, what's going on, buddy? Uh, I don't know where I am. I just woke up on a trampoline covered in dew, and I'm missing one of my shoes, and I, I don't know where I am. Okay, buddy. Well, Orange County is got roughly 15 million people in it. You're going to have to narrow it down for me. Times like that, yeah. where I'm woke up on a Saturday morning at 6 a.m. Because you left with someone who maybe you should have vetted a little better, maybe not, up to you, no judgment. But then you wake up at a mansion somewhere in some streets I've never been on because I'm not allowed because I'm not rich enough on someone's <laughs> trampoline covered in dew. And now someone's chasing you off the property and you're missing your shirt and one of your Gucci shoes because you wore some weird shoes. I feel like stuff like that that was stressful to me at a, at a time when I, my, my brain and my psyche was still forming and thus could have changed the course of my life deserves me to if anyone's going to sit at this compound this david koresh compound of yours and get paid to do nothing it's me i, I think i've deserved well, i think i've listen, earned that 
You're going to get paid to I've build always, the company. You know what? Let me sum it up. You're going to be a management I've, role. You're going to be a management role. I've always role been in, the in, fucking adult in the room. That's why I get a break. Someone gets to watch me now. How about no, that's that? That's true. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. As the compound's being built, you're getting paid top dollar to manage to make sure that everything is built up to spec. Fair enough. And then after that, after that, you're still paid. I can be maintenance a, again, and you can call me when stupid shit breaks, like the old days. But you're, but you're, no, no, no. You had to hire someone to be maintenance, and then you just use manage that maintenance person. I'll create layers. I don't. I don't need the bullshit. Like I want the layers. I want, you know, it's like Vince Vaughn, right? He wants to recharge. I'm going to create layers. I don't want you to work. But if I go, hey, man, I went down to the hot tub and it didn't work. <laughs> one I don't of the best parts of this film, because one of them had I, the best night of their life and the other one didn't. Lives. Okay, you know what? This couldn't be timed better. I am Vince Vaughn. <laughs> I am Vince Vaughn. I was tied up by Todd. What are you talking about? And you were running around with the little hottie. This is, this is us. Those of you listening, if you're also watching the movie, which you should be, that's the point, you are witnessing why I should get a free ride from this dude forever. I am Vince Vaughn. That this is in, in this particular section, this is me. And this is also me because I'll pout like a motherfucker. I will go sit in a corner by myself and eat crepes alone. I have been known to do that too. This is me. I Jason mean, they, is Owen Wilson I was, and I am Vince Vaughn. First of all, sir, I don't think you re remember correctly. In clubs, I announced you as the new PGA Tour champion. Yeah, and you people created a lie I then had to sustain the entire evening. Sure. So I don't know where I had a great night because you, you got laid. I didn't. I mean, come on now. You know what? Every you know what they there's a saying. Everyone should have a hype man, and I do agree with that. I did have my very own hype man in college, and it was fun. I'm not going to lie about that. But there were also times it was stressful. There were a lot of times it was stressful. <laughs> you got lost a lot. In fact, Jason, one of the many nicknames that this gentleman had <laughs> in college was Casper because he would just flat ass disappear <laughs> with no warning. And you're rounding up and see, so I'm the sheepdog in our, in our, in our college family. I'm the dude. I don't. You are the most man. mature. You're the most mature. Never, never, hands down. Ne hands down. I'm going to use military cliches. Did not have the, 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 the fortune or the, or the, uh, or the honor to serve in the military in any capacity. However, I do not believe in leaving a man behind at any point. So when I'm turning around at the end of the evening and they've called last calls at Chester's, and I'm after having, I don't know, 675 dirty water Long Island iced teas that they make there for a dollar a piece. Which Blackstar paid for. I'm blind at this point. I've literally, so for those of you who haven't experienced it yet, you can actually physically become blind drunk. It has happened to me, usually at the hands of this guy, your host. I'm now trying to, in a frenzy, <laughs> count my people. And I am missing a sheep, which makes the sheepdog very nervous because there are many wolves. Many wolves at the Chesters. So I'm wandering around frantically fighting with bouncers trying to get back in the club to find this dude only to later find out. And by later, I mean days later, find out that somewhere an hour before closing, he ran off with an individual and did whatever individuals do at that age group when they're drunk. And, and then just turns up, I mean, dude, a little caca and let me know. You know, a signal like you're leaving would be cool, but not him, not Casper. Casper, just one minute, he's telling jokes. He's telling everybody you're a golfer. He's buying drinks, and you turn around, and poof, he's gone. And now you have this pain in your chest 
for 37 hours until he surfaces again. Mind you, this is pre-cell phone people. So he'd have to surface and leave a message on my answering machine at my apartment to know that he was alive in one piece. That's a lot of, a lot of, I have a weak heart because of you, sir. You broke my heart. I have a weak heart <laughs> worrying about you. But the bar tab was always paid. Well, yeah, I'm not saying I didn't have fun. I'm just saying fun could turn to stress <laughs> with you and then back to fun again. This is the cycle of Jason Jefferson. <laughs> it is, it is, a, it, it is, I have, I've learned, um, uh, uh, the greatest things I've learned about being married is the greatest thing I've learned about being married. And the, the reason why I, I love you and John and Shane Lariba and Chris Mills so much is because being married has taught me one thing. I'm a really hard person to be around 24 seven. Nah, that's not, true. I'm not, no, I'm really not. I mean, there is, there's such an aggressiveness about the way that I go after life. There's such a thing of just me, just being me that is just so assertive and aggressive and just wanting and, and just, and just going, 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 and there's not a stop that yeah, I, I, don't, I don't, that I don't, I don't, I don't provide breaks. And then my break, then the one time I want to provide a break is when I Casper the sheepdog, which only provides more stress for you. And I don't think people, I mean, listen, people listen to this podcast and they don't know me personally, so they don't get to deal with me on a daily basis. And literally for what, eight years of your life, I mean, almost eight years of your life, right? It was a daily interaction with me. And I know now at 45 years of age, 20 years back, <clears throat> more than 25 years back, 27 years back, what that meant. I can be so aggressive and so just me in such a way that it, that it doesn't put people off, but they're like, dude, I need a break. And I never yes. understood that. From an energy a break. standpoint, I would agree with that. You, yeah, from you, an energy you standpoint. You have it's like... boundless, nonstop, engaged energy. Like there is yeah. no, uh, you, people say, oh man, I hit the wall. You don't hit the wall. And, and it's cool. It's, it's, um, it's fun to be around, but I, I guess I would agree with you that um, you got to be up for it, right? If, if Jason's ready to go, if 23-year-old Jason is ready to go for the evening, <laughs> you, you need to not – like don't get in the car and just take this for granted. This could be you leaving an apartment in Costa Mesa at 6.30 at night and not returning – until 48 hours later, having been in like four countries, you just never know. I mean, so from that standpoint, yeah, man, there were, there were definitely times in like full swing of the party, you know, age where I am like, I would just love to go to bed at this point. And I'm looking at my watch and it's only 12 and we're in Los Angeles. And I know, I know there's no earthly way i'm getting back to my apartment in costa mesa till about 11 45 in the morning so sure yeah sometimes that was uh but i mean dude that's what makes you that's what makes you great uh because there were a lot of times that probably you don't even know where that's exactly what i needed i needed the full speed distraction that was going running with you 
to get away from other stuff that, that, you know, I was trying to avoid or, or hide from. Uh, so yeah, but I, w- I would disagree with your, you're not hard to be around. Um, your, your energy level can be hard to keep up with. How about that? That's fair. I think to say. Sure. I like that. Yeah. No, it, but it shit, is. they've invented now, since then, bro. They've invented Red Bull and five hour energy. And dude, I'm in. Oh, dude. I'm good to go till dude. at least eleven thirty at night. I've got next level. I'm gonna send you a sleeve of this shit. Are you ready? I, I can't I get drug tested at my job, bro. I can't just do meth. No, no, it's not it's not oh. drugs. It's I mean okay. it, it's legal. It's a hundred percent legal. It's prescribed uh by from a cataract. It is, it's a class four narcotic, so you have to be careful how you take it, but it's not like if you pissed it, no one's going to be like, oh, I'm sorry, you're, you've lost your job. It doesn't, that doesn't exist. It's an ADHD drug, um, but imagine if ADHD is a Red Bull and this is an F1 sports car. So is it like called, Ritalin? Uh, no, it's called Pro Vigil. Do you remember that? So, hey, by the way, tie back to the movie. Bradley Cooper. Do you remember that movie Limitless? With yes. the you could think of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This the movie was based off this drug. Oh, okay. So if you think I'm if you think I was excitable at 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, you should see me first thing in the morning after popping a 250 milligram pro vigil. Okay. Son. It makes Red Bull look like tap water. To be honest, man, I drink Red Bull because I like how it tastes, and I've cut way, way back on those things because I, I'm, I know that. Have you seen the videos of what Red Bull does? <laughs> I haven't, but I've, I've got two things at 47. I've got two vices that I wish I could do away with. I don't abuse either one of them like I used to, and I'm, I'm I would sure. say, I'd say I probably it's Red Bull and Dr Pepper, dude. I would say. I'm probably down Doctor, to Dr. Whoa, Pepper whoa, a day. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What the fuck is with Dr. Did you watch your mouth, bro? I will I will come through this screen <laughs> like a spider monkey virtually and and what just rake your fuck? eyeballs out. Doctor, first of all, dude, you live in the great state of Texas. Dr. Pepper is like yeah. Jesus here. You better watch your mouth, son. <laughs> Not, enough said. Anyway, I probably have one or two Red Bulls a week, mainly because I like the taste. I'll be honest with you. I can drink two Red Bulls and go to sleep. Like it doesn't, sure. it doesn't do that. If I need, so like if I'm, if I'm struggling in the morning to like just get going because rough night, I was up late, whatever, whatever. I, I use, my brother-in-law um, is for a while, um, ran ultra marathons and was sponsored by these cats for a while. It's a company called Mountain Ops, uh, similar to kind of on it. Um, they're based up in Utah, sure. but they have a, they have a product called, um, is it Ignite? I think it's called Ignite. It's basically a powder you mix with water and it's a natural non gangster ruin your insides version of Red Bull. And it actually works. I can mix up one of those in the morning. I throw an emergency in there too, for a good measure. And I can drink half of one of those and I can feel better aptitude, better brain firing. Like I, I'm just more engaged and like awake. You know what I mean? Similar to probably what coffee so, drinkers have. I don't like coffee cause I don't drink hot liquids. Yeah. I love coffee, but I just never drink it. So, uh, but anyway, that's kind of what I use now. Totally off subject. So, so pro, Dude, I had pro a vigil is, is for a while. I was drinking six Red Bulls a day. I was a mess. So yeah, I had a rock star at a rock star, zero calorie problem. And I, and I stopped drinking them 
and I went cold turkey and I stopped. And there was a mental lapse with me. And I was looking around and I tried and I actually went to my doctor and they gave me an ADHD drug. And ADHD drugs are great, what Ritalin, whatever they are, they're great if you want to do a thing. So if I want to do the best soup store in the world, if I want to make the best barbecue in the world, right, I can focus on a thing. The problem is, and you know me better than anyone almost on planet Earth, is I have 900 things going on in my brain. 900. And to corral them and to prioritize them and to then make me function in the prioritization of them of them is very difficult, which is why I drink so much, because drinking literally calms down those effects, and it allows me to sleep, it allows me to do things, it allows me to engage with my... It's, it's terrible to think that I drink so that my brain can slow down so I can do art with my daughter. It's terrible to think, and it's true. And so I found this thing, uh, modafinil, which is the... Uh, which is the it is an off-brand of ProVigil, and ProVigil is the... So what happened is, is that there's a, there's a large segment of society, and you know this better than anyone else in construction, that works at night. And in working at night, function, brain function at night in our DNA is, is actually... It, it diminishes by over 50%. And the reason it does is because we live in a world where, where, where brain function is meant for the hours. When the sun to function to do, mm-hmm. so off shift workers were not being productive. So they tried to create a drug to make off shift workers productive, and that was Ritalin, and there was some other ADHD drugs. But then they came up with modafinil. Well, modafinil had such a a resounding success, just in test results, without it being FDA approved, just in test results. The U.S. government went, hold on, let's see how good it is. On night strikes, let's give this to our, our fighters. Let's give it to, our, to, our, to our, the men and women in the planes shooting shit in the middle of the night. Let's see how they do. Their kill scores went up over 1,000%. So... The average pill is about, I don't know, 250 bucks if you don't have insurance, right? Just a, it's 250 bucks a pill, basically. Let me tell you. You take one of these. One. There's no coffee. There's a, a glass of water. And the amazing things that in my personally, personally for my brain, what it does when I'm doing a technology podcast, I'm talking to some of the smartest people in the world, literally some of the smartest people in the world. This podcast where I'm jumping around and having fun. Also talking to some of the smartest people in the world. Some of the smartest people in the world. And then financial services, right? And And then consulting on the side and doing other stuff. All of that with my daughter, her education, basically COVID-19, doing that, creating a schedule, creating alarms for my Alexa in my house that go off and on, off and on, off and on, everything that's going on. I can manage all of that and still bike 15 to 20 miles a day 
and do everything I want to do. Now, it works for me personally. It doesn't work for everyone. But the, uh, the guy, Shaw, who I had met, did a podcast with him and um, had some fun with him. We're not, we're now, uh, oddly enough, very good friends. Uh, we were hanging out, and I, and I sent him some. And I'm like, hey, dude, just try this out, because he does some ADHD drug. He took half a pill. So I do 250 milligrams a day, Monday through Thursday. I don't take it on Friday, Saturday, or Sunday because um, I, don't, I don't need it. It's Friday. He texted me off of half a pill. He goes, first time, I finished my workout without being distracted. I finished my workout. And in finishing my workout without being distracted, I also accomplished these things. And he sent it to me in a text. And he goes, and then I remembered the three things that I was supposed to do last week that I'd forgotten about because I was distracted with my ADHD drug. And now I'm doing this, 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 and this. It's not for, obviously it's not for everybody. It's not, it's, I put it as it's for crazy people doing crazy things. It really is. But let me tell you, it has literally changed my life. Now, the only hard part is for me, as you know, me better than almost anyone on, the, on planet Earth is. And also I'm your personal physician or was for years. Yes, you are. Actually, you've been my personal physician for a physician for uh, over 20 years. But the other hard part is, is that, you know, you know how addictive I get to things that I like. And so that's where I'm like, I don't take it on Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. I don't care how tired I am on Monday morning. I don't take it, right? Because that's considered Sunday to me. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Those mornings I take it. I don't care what I did Sunday night. I don't care. I won't do it. And if my work suffers, my work suffers. But let me tell you, my friend, what I've been able to accomplish and organize and coordinate and deliver for me personally, removing Red Bull, removing Rockstar, removing the caffeine supplements, and instead embracing a nootropic, a brain drug, a specific brain drug is mind-blowing. And I only bring it up because and I'm not saying everyone should do it or not, but there are other natural brain drugs out there that everyone should try first, right? I mean, Onnit's got them. You just mentioned some I as well. I use Alpha Brain. I use Onnit's Alpha Brain. It's great. I knew I use their dude, new mood too to chill out. It's good stuff, dude, man. Are they are are aren't <clears throat> these nootropics just the best in the? In, I mean, the the idea of and and I bring all this up also because. Let's remember when we were kids. Let's remember who we were. This is the first time for us in a long time, for our generation, not just for you and I, but that there are nootropics available that let us be us and be successful. Our generation is the first generation ever to embrace brain science and embrace ourselves as a personality, ourselves as who we are. That is, I mean, that is cataclysmically 
amazing, not only from the science side, but think about you and I. Think about when we were kids. Think about us sitting in the classroom. That was dog shit. It was horrible. And what did we do? We, we, we took it to the face. We took it to the chin. And we made the best that we could. And now we have careers. We're blossoming. We're doing amazing work. But look at our career paths. Outside of college, look at our career paths. Look at how hard we worked to figure out how to work at the same time be us, at the same time give our ideas, at the same time be us better and make us better and surround ourselves with people that wanted industries to be better. Think about that for a moment. And now think about the alpha brains and everything else that's out there for our kids when they're old enough to embrace that that allows them to do something different. To embrace something different versus what we went through. I mean, dude, we weren't living together in our early 20s. We were bouncing around in jobs in our early 20s. It's not that we weren't smart. It's not that we didn't have insights. It's not that we weren't the best of the breed to be hired at all. Oh, is that Christy? No, Christy. it's Ainsley. Ainsley. Going to bed. Girl. But it was, we didn't, we didn't have the moment. We didn't. And now we do. And look at how much more productive and what we're doing today versus 20 five years ago. I mean, this is, I, I bring it up because it is monumental in the fact of if you want to do a scientific study on two smart people that were told to shut the fuck up their whole lives or two of them. I think it's cool too that where there's a popular movement to investigate what is naturally available prior to just jumping straight to the prescriptions, right? Like I believe that prescriptions serve a purpose, um, but I'm a sure. big proponent of um, looking at natural alternatives and exhausting those before moving on you know again not you know i'm not making pharmaceuticals out to be some evil dragon um but there's things that can happen with taking those that can be detrimental to certain groups of people you know so i think it's cool that that this stuff is more this technology um is more you know prevalent i mean i i can remember if you even wanted to discuss anything like this you had to like walk into a GNC at the strip mall. You know what I mean? Like, and, and that was like the only place, I mean, I can, I can buy alpha brain at my CBS now, you know, it's great. Um, <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's good for um, us to be less quick to label things without 
getting to the root of what it is. Oh, they're hyperactive. That, that's what it was. ADHD when you and I were kids were hyperactive. He's hyperactive. He's had too much sugar. Sure. Um, that was that was the thing, right? And then it was ADHD, and 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 we're gonna fix that by just throwing, you know, coffee cans full of Ritalin at it. Um, I think it's good that there's we're looking at more natural options to cure what ails us. Um, but you, I mean, also we're better. I mean, you and I have been more productive in the last ten years than we were. Ever, and twenty oh, for sure. Prior. And I think part of that too is just who we've, you know, where we're at in our life stage too. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I don't really have a choice but to be productive. <laughs> you know, I've sure. I've got a, a wife and a very active uh, daughter to, that depend on me to be engaged and handling stuff at a high level. And you know, I've got a I've got a um, career that requires my intimate engagement at a high level every day. So um, I think too, part of it's, you know, we're, it? we're at stages in our life far removed from our late twenties, you know, now. But you don't, <clears throat> do you also agree that the reason we're engaged with our employers is because of who we are? For sure. I mean, I think I've that makes sense. Blessed. I mean, it's yeah, like, I think so. <laughs> I mean, I've definitely been blessed to, um, you know, what I looked for my whole life and, and I was never a, a big job hopper. Um, but what I looked for my whole life, I was able to find, uh, in the company that I've now been with for well over a decade. Um, and, uh, I think job advice to younger people listening. I think, first of all, find out what you truly love to do because the whole, if you love what you do, it doesn't, you won't work a day in your life thing. I, it, that's true. I don't know who said that. It was someone famous. I think it was, it was Steve Jobs um, said it, was, it, but he wasn't the first person. Someone said it before him. No, it was a listen. Uh, I believe it was literally the guy like who said it was Gandhi or Confucius or something. Genghis Khan. Like, it was like, yeah, it was old there you go. So he really uh, loved killing people and he did a really good job <laughs> at it. All right. Well, bad example. Uh, but, um, <laughs> I think that, uh, I think that it's important to find a way to earn a living doing something that moves you. Right. Uh, and while my job is not some glamorous thing, um, I love it and I love what I do and who I do it with. So, um, I think that that's, I think that truly maximizing and realizing your potential as an employee only happens in an environment um, provided by the right employer, right? Because otherwise, sure. um, there it can be restrictive. Because look, I, I look, we don't need to hear what you want to do. This is the way we do it. You know what I mean? So um, I think that who I am today and my level of success that I'm at today, albeit you know, meager, I'm not some, some, you know, awesome entrepreneur or anything, but, um, has only been achievable because of a, my work ethic and B, um, my company's support and guidance and tutelage along the way. Makes sense. So do you, um, because I'm doing something so that, today I did not see myself doing when I was in my 20s, you know? So, 
Yeah, but you also see that um, what you're doing today, which you never saw yourself doing, what you're doing today is also is um, is an evolution um, because you were. There's a part of us, and I'll go back to the beginning of our conversation here, right? Which is like we had we had you had a powerful mom. You had powerful influences. And it's not like those, it's not like Ralph said, go sell cars for your life. That's what it's about. But Ralph was strict no matter what. Holiday didn't matter. Ralph was strict. I mean, I never saw Ralph ease up. I've been I've been to holidays with you. I've I've been I've been, I've been the honor and pleasure to spend holidays with your family. I've also spent random weekends with your family. And the one thing about Ralph, he didn't ease up, man. He had a drive, he had a thing. And as broken as, or as weird as certain things may have been for us because for a very hyperbole statement, the world isn't ready for, you know, us. Um, he laid some groundwork and by groundwork, I mean, he just, he's like, yeah, guess what? It's going to suck, but rules always exist. And also be yourself. And, you know, I mean, I, I to, to this day, for the, for, for the blessing of knowing you and the time to spend, spend with your mom and, and with Ralph, it helped me. It helped me be a better person. It, it had me reflect. Uh, and be, I, and, definitely, and I definitely believe that my work ethic is a culmination of my 100% culmination and product of my upbringing, 100%. I, I am who I am yeah. in the workplace because of the people that raised me. I mean, I'm, I'm the grandson of a general contractor. I'm the stepson of a self-made, you know, gentleman who owned at one point eight car dealerships, uh, and that never finished. I think he dropped out of school in eighth grade. He never went to high school. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm the <laughs> and son. And we'll berate you to go to college. <laughs> I, I'm the son of a, of a, of a chief master sergeant from the United States air force. Um, I'm the nephew of, uh, a firefighter who worked his way up from summertime fight crews to being a battalion chief, which is pretty much the equivalent of a general, um, another uncle who, um, was a city official in the Bay area for a number of years and a college professor. I mean, all, all of these people that I had was, um, the head of the heart center and a nurse for the better part of 35 years. Um, all these people definitely, um, outlined who I am hundred um, percent. I'm very, very proud of the fact that, um, I came up in a, in a blue collar family structure, um, and, uh, and the work ethic that was taught to me at a very, very, very young age. Uh, I, I this for sure, what's enabled me to be successful because I believe that when nothing else remains drive will take you where you need to be. So sure. Hard, no, it's funny. Out, I, heart I, outplays I, hard work, right? hundred you know? percent. 
So 100. It's it's funny. I th- I think about this movie and I think about um you know their perseverance, right? And who they want and who they love and who they want to be with. And it's not popular for for either friend, but they also want to be friends, and they also are friends, and they also want to be connected, and uh, and neither one forgets the pivotal moments of of, of why they're connected. And uh, I, I think about that, and um, I think about our relationships, and I go, we um, good, bad, or indifferent. Man, good, bad, or indifferent, we, uh, in perseverance, the one thing as friends that we couldn't say to one another is we're going to quit. We're going to give up. We're going to go do this over here. It just didn't exist in our, in our, in our lexicon. And you know, people people wonder and they're like, well, that's your friends. I'm like, yeah, that is my friends. But my friends did that so that the only things that bother me are the things that I quit on. But also, I knew that when my friends needed me the most or when I needed them the most, I could call them and be like, this is what I'm pursuing. This is what I'm doing. This is the hard part. How can you help me? And we've helped one another. And I bring it up because I want to challenge the listeners. I want to challenge the people around, you know, Kazakhstan, Egypt, India, Switzerland, France, Canada, Mexico, Argentina. I'm just showing off. I'm flexing. I'm worldwide. Hey, you guys, if if, I'm worldwide, but seriously, if you're not, if if your friends aren't going to challenge you, if they're not going to make you better, I can't call you and just cry with some bullshit thing. I can't. And I know that. Why? Not because I just respect you, but I respect our friendship. I respect who we are as adults. I respect how we grew up together as young men pushing and striving and trying to be better. I respect the fact that you have, you have seen my fucked up life And at the same time, you've given me no excuses. You're like, yeah, "Yeah, I I, I know you. I agree with that. I I think a couple fundamental things. One, you are who you roll with. So keep that that locked away. Those of you out there listening that are in your formative years, um, I think that's true. And um, I also believe in... Iron sharpens iron, man. You know, again, I having a yes man around doesn't do me any good uh, in my career, uh, in my personal life. It's uh, I don't need it. I'm, I'm, I've got to a point in my life where I know who I am, what I am, what I'm capable of. I don't need a hype man. I need I need someone that <clears throat> can assist me with difficult decisions 
because they know me and they also have lived life, right? And they're, and most importantly, to the point that you keep circling back to is they're not afraid to speak to me openly, honestly, harshly, if need be. Uh, I think that that's, uh, I think it's paramount, man. And I think, I don't think a relationship can, any relationship, marriage, friendship, business, you know, uh, partnership, um, I don't think with, without that component, both the ability to challenge and receive challenge, um, I, I don't think that the relationship can hit its full potential. Um, sure. Right, for sure. And also, I mean, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a weird world we live in where you want to accept whatever someone says. And where that we're kind of, you know, it's funny. And I wish people would see the backstories of a lot of things, right? I wish people could see the texts and the conversations and the, Jesus, what is it? 27 years, 28 years of hanging out, of giving each other shit that builds that. And I mean that to say it because... If you're 18 and someone's giving you shit and you don't like it, you need to like it. Because guess what? That person probably cares for you a little bit. And mom might, your mom might go, I can't believe that person told you to shut the fuck up. I, you know what? You don't need to hang out with someone with that kind of mouth. Guess what? Go grab them. Take them out for a beer, coffee, whatever, whatever's, you know, cool for the kids these days. And ask him why they asked you to say shut the fuck up. Because that might be the person that changes your life. Now, I'm lucky. I have multiple people around me that have literally changed my life. I'm fortunate. But I worked hard on that. And I accepted it. I accepted the ridicule of a GQ license plate. Mm. I... Um, I remember outside of that, I mean, dude, I remember the Black Star days. I remember getting laid off outside of Black Star. Everything I did, I would call you. I mean, I remember the elevator days. Remember the elevator lift company? McKinley Equipment. Yeah. I met, you got me that job. I remember those days. Everything I did, I mean, there's sometimes you're like, Jason, you're, you know what? I agree. I understand what you're saying, but you're fucking up. How many people are going to do that for you? And, and I, mean, I mean, I don't mean for us because we have us. For the people listening, how many people are going to do that for you? And I, and I bring that up because... If you don't have someone that's going to do that for you, and you're like, oh, I'm hungry. Well, I told you I understand what you're doing, but you're fucking up. Time to eat ramen, bitch. That's okay. They're not being mean to you. They're helping you grow. And why are they helping you grow? Because they love you. Because they do. I, uh, you know, I talked to... I got to talk to all these people. 
And um, I was like, you know, one of the things that like John and Brett, we all do, we tell each other we love each other. And it's weird. I think it's weirder for you and I than it is probably for John. It's just, it's a couple of years difference, but it's just a little, you know. He's a giant things. panda. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> but he's also, we just had, we had a different, and if I'm speaking out of school, you can, you can correct me, but we had a little harder upbringing in some capacity. Not saying that John didn't have a tough time, but we had a harder upbringing um, with people. You met Lee Burrington. I have. I mean, he kicked the shit out of me in front of you. We had, I had a, you know, so I love you is a hard thing to say for, for, for us. And we, we try to do it. We, we do it as best we can. And um, I was telling someone this and they're like, yeah, you know, I, I, I kind of do that. And I was like, really, how? Well, I just do it. And I was like, no, just tell me how. Because, and I told him, I told him this, it was funny, we're in a taco shop and uh, we're hanging out and he's a, he's a very famous person. And he's like, yeah, I try to tell people I love him. And I was like, great, but how? And he's like, he's him and Han. And I go, one of the people I love the most is Brett Lucetta. And one of the hardest things to say to Brett Lucetta is I love you because he doesn't say goodbye. He just hangs at the phone. I am squeeze him and I love so bad at that. So bad. <laughs> I go, I go, you got to squeeze and I love you quick, son. Or you got to open up with, he's like, hello. And you're like, I love you. And he's like, motherfucker, what do you need? Right? I mean, you got you to gotta, you gotta figure out your timing. And I love you with Brett Lucetta. I go, so do you love people the way I love Brett Lucetta? And he looks at me and goes, no. I'm like, that's okay. I go, but then step your game up. Because my game is predicated on making sure that Brett Lucetta knows I love him. And I know he knows that I love him. I know he knows it. In his heart of hearts, I know he knows I love him. But in that world, I also know he needs to hear it. And I got to figure out ways to sneak it in. Not because we don't communicate that way, but because the way we were raised, that's not the way we communicated. And that's tough. But we don't give up. So do you love somebody? Yes. How do you say it? You text it? No, 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 no. You want to send them a video message? That's a little bit better. You want to get them on the phone? Oh, they don't like to hear that on the phone. Shut the fuck up and say it. Why? Because it's important. It's important not today. It's never important today. It's important a week away. It's important when you don't know when tragedy hits that home. It's important when you don't know when bad times come to that person. It's important when you don't know what's going on. That's when those three magical words mean the most to someone. That's when it matters. That's when it's special. Because no one wants to hear I love you after you've gone through dog shit. Great. 
Thanks. Where, where was the I love you? <laughs> before I before I went head first into dog shit. Where was that? But knowing that you're loved and hearing that you're loved is 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 different. It's way different. Because it shapes the way you approach the day. I mean, I, and that ties back into the movie right now, right? I mean, he's expressing his love to this man. young lady. He's just like, yeah. Jesus Christ. I mean, like, what the hell? But you know what? The reality is, is that Bradley Cooper here, he didn't say I love you before. He didn't say I love you after. He only said I love you when he thought it meant something for him. And we as friends love each other because we love each other. It's the greatest thing in the world. And that goes way back to college and understanding and everything else. It goes way back. We're better not because we met. We're good because we met. We understand life differently because we met. We are better friends because we met. We understand how to engage with and, and make new friends because of how we made friends. We're better there. But we're men that have wives and that have daughters and sons and everything else in between. And we understand it and we know what it means because we love each other. And that is something that you can't put on a piece of paper. It's something you can't put anywhere else. It is something that is just, it, it grows and it builds and, and you try to replace and you try to do things with it. But there's, there's an organic thing that just, that, that, that is that, and it's, it's not trying to be sappy or cheesy in any way, shape, or form. It is, it is what it is. It's, 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 an, it's, it's an indelible connection that, uh, that we've been blessed to be a part of. My rant's done. <laughs> I'm watching your no, face. I, like, no, please. Go, go, go on. <laughs> No, it, I I was just listening. I didn't want to stop you because I agreed with what you were saying in a big way. I, I read a, a few years ago. I read a I don't even know what it was. It was an article. It wasn't a book or anything like that. It was an article. Um, might even have been Vice. Don't know. Don't quote me. I think I stumbled across it through Twitter, but it was explaining. Um the that the the premise of the entire article was that the men of the Gen X generation, which is our generation, um, are the first men to stop their kids running through the house for no reason other than to say, "I love you." Right? Love it. Um, and their the point of the whole thing was not to cast uh, any kind of negativity on our fathers or 
for you and I, our grandfathers who were part of the greatest generation. Uh, but it was just talking about um, the social composition of the family. It wasn't something that was used. It wasn't as overused as, as it is now. And I don't say overused in a negative fashion, but just the constant reaffirmation. I mean, I probably literally tell my daughter that I, I would say a, a minimum of 10 to 12 times a day. At, at a minimum. Oh, 100%. Um, and uh, I did not hear it that often, um, especially from the men in my life, um, uh, which isn't a bad thing. I, I, I clearly knew I was loved by my father, my stepfather, my grandfather, my uncles. I clearly knew that. Um, heard it more from my mom and my grandma, you know, which is kind of standard for that generation probably. Um don't have any negative repercussions. Like I didn't, I didn't hear I love you enough. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that. I definitely knew where I stood. Um, and I knew that ultimately, no matter what, when the chips were down, I had their love and their support and we would figure out how to get through stuff. Um, but I think, uh, I think it's in, imperative as parents to almost overuse it. Especially uh, if you're a father of daughters. Um, it's just a different dynamic, man. I don't have a son. I only have one child, um, <clears throat> much like you. Um, but being a girl dad is super different from being a boy dad, at least in what I've observed with my friends that have sons, right? And sure. um, we are the benchmark. How, how we behave how we treat them, how we treat other random women, um, how, how we treat the soccer moms, how we treat um, the ladies at the dance studio, how we treat our wives in front of them um, is setting the DNA code for what they will look for ultimately in a spouse, whether that spouse be male or female, either way. That's that's the, they're looking to us to set the baseline of what love looks like, and we all know females that have had bad father daughter relationships, and that can follow them for a lifetime. And so, um, I think it's a big responsibility that you carry, um, as a head of a household, um, <clears throat> to make sure that that environment's promoted. Um, you know, again, I, I think, I think mutual love and admiration and respect is what's kept this group of friends, um, as connected despite all the different states that we live in and places we are in our lives and careers. Uh, I think that that's, what's the, the, the tie that binds us as friends. And I think that I learned a lot, both from my family, not to sell them short, um, because I saw nothing but respect and love from the men in my life towards the women in their lives. Um, but I also think um, that that group of friends that we've been referencing for the last two hours helped set um, the code uh, if you will, for how I love my family as well. So, sure. and, 
and and other people and strangers and and you know that kind of stuff so our group of friends definitely made me a better and more mellow and and forgiving and understanding human being so i, I like what you said about the daughters um I have, a, I, have a, I have a friend and he was he was very upset with me and my daughter is very well behaved she goes yeah because yeah but when she disbehaves you you spank her and i go no i don't spank my daughter by the way folks movie's over so in case you're wondering credits are rolling credits are rolling you're fine just keep listening this is some actually good insight right here. So, and he goes, uh, why don't you spank your daughter? And I was just very honest with him. I said, hey, I don't, as a man, I cannot hit my daughter in a point of discipline. And then when she turns 18, 19, 20, 21, whatever age that is, and she's with someone, and her husband... Or the person she's with hits her as a, in, in air quotes, a point of discipline. I can't create that architecture. In fact, I won't create that architecture. I will create the architecture that if a man hits you, it's wrong. I will create that architecture all day and twice on Tuesday. I'll do it every day. But I, I, I can't, I don't believe in that philosophy for a lot of reasons. But number one, I don't believe in it because I believe it is a mixed message based on the fact that you just want to prove a point. And if you can't figure out the way to talk to your kid to prove a point without striking them, is it the kid's fault or is it your fault? And I understand frustration and I understand boiling point and I understand the lack of no negotiation. I do. I mean, I have a six-year-old. I live it literally every day. At the same time, I just mentally, I can't be, listen, if my wife wants to spank her, okay. I'm okay with it. Actually, I'm okay with it. I can't be a man hitting a female. And then when a man hits her going, that's bad. And she goes, yeah, but you hit me. I can't do that correlation. I mentally, I, I can't do those gymnastics. Maybe I'm wrong, but I can't do it. Yeah, I mean, first of all, there's no right and wrong in child rearing because it's all situational and familial and it's, it's up to the individual, right? I'll never sure. tell someone else how to parent their kid. I may exactly. leave, <laughs> so I don't have to deal with them you and me both, right? Style. But, uh, you know, I mean, unless you're putting your kid in the oven, uh, do your thing, you know what I mean? Like figure it out. Um, I would say this much, you know, you and I came from households where spanking was a thing. Shit. You and I hearken back to a day where a principal could whip you with a wooden paddle and it was all good. Um, here's my, so everything you just said, I agree with a hundred percent as far as the whole setting the baseline of a woman or a man striking a woman, right? Sure. Um, anyone striking anybody, let's be clear, anybody striking anybody, there's been a complete failure in communication at that point. Like it's you and I grew up fighting. We did our fair share. Um, nothing ever got solved. I never felt better. Um, and it's hurt. just, it's just, yeah, you know, fighting so glamour, glamour, glamorized. Yeah. Let me just tell you, punching another person in the head 
does as much or more damage to your hand and wrist and everything else as it does to their head. <laughs> and it ain't, it ain't a picnic. When, uh, let me put it to you this way. Winning and losing actual physical confrontations, there is no winner and loser. Let's just be clear. So long way around the barn to say I, I, I don't condone physically striking anybody for any reason, any age, any sex, whatever. Um, but you and I um, both grew up in households where spanking, capital punishment, whatever you want to call it, was a thing. And again, no judgment to parents who want to spank their kids. Uh, I'm, I'm super cool with it. I have friends that do it. It's no big deal. Uh, that's you. Um, I, uh, we both grew up in a religious setting where it was condoned as well um, with our religious backgrounds. Um, here's what I would say. And again, everyone's different. I cannot tell you. I can remember. I can remember instances I got spanked for when I was my daughter's age. I can yep. tell you. I can. I can tell you about the time that I used to ride my Diamondback Formula One BMX bike through Ooh. the neighbor's planter because I like to get my tires dirty. And Ralph beat the brakes off me and made me fix their planter. I can tell you about <laughs> the time we were at the Safeway grocery store. And remember back in the day when they used to have those baskets, you know, where you'd go and there was all the lunch meat and cheeses and stuff. And they'd have those baskets that would have like the little cow cheeses in them or salamis or whatever. Oh yeah. I would yeah, spin yeah. them and they had three chains coming down and they like, yep. like what would hold fruit. Right. And they yeah. were just mesh baskets. I'd spin those things the wrong way and then watch them spin and unwind. And Ralph told me to stop. I didn't. He beat my ass when we got home. Right. So I'm literally as a 40, almost 47 year old man telling you specific examples that I can remember being spanked. Never stopped me from doing shit. I'm just let me be straight up. Never one. I still rode my bike through that lady's bushes and other people's bushes. I still spun those things when no one was looking. I still climbed out my window and went and drank. It never stopped me. The things that hurt me more was taking sports away from me, taking my car away from me, taking my friends away from me. Those things Dude, were far on. better. Taking TV remember? away from me. When the black truck was taken away from you and you got that Oldsmobile? Well, yeah, yeah. It wasn't necessarily taken away from me as much as my family had a economic hard time that necessitated uh, us regrouping. But, but, but no, but I mean, still, it's the same thing. It's, just, it's just like it was, it, was, it, was, it was a regrouping and an understanding of where we sat in the world, right? And whether that's a punishment or whether that's just an economic thing. And that, and that really brings back to where we're at today. But I mean, dude, I remember, I mean, I remember how upset you were and there was nothing wrong with that from where you were previously to where, you know, the, I remember that there was the, 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 the lure like that car was equal <laughs> parts car was. amazing time capsule and just an embarrassment. So for the listeners, I, I, <laughs> I went, I always had very nice vehicles. Again, as stated before, my stepfather was in the car business for over 50 years and the deal that was made, um, upon my graduation from high school and subsequent, you know, heading off to college was, um, we, we will either cover, your vehicle and your car insurance through college and keep you in something nice and new, I'm not promising you get to drive whatever you want, but keep you in something nice and new and safe, or we'll cover college. 
And in my mind, I thought, you know what, let's take that off the plate because college, you can take out a loan, you can take out financial aid, it's guaranteed, they can't take it away from you, you can pay for it later, which is what we're doing now. Um, In my mind, the car was like, look, if I go buy a car, and then I have them pay for school, and then the transmission falls out of this fucking thing, where am I going to come up with $2,800 as a college kid, right? Now I'm buying a a freaking Henry's auto manual, this is pre-internet, and crawling underneath this thing and trying to sort it out, right? So, um I chose the car option. So my parents provided a vehicle for me and insurance for me, uh, in, in through co- high school and college. Um, <clears throat> I had to work for these things, but I did not have to pay for them directly. So Jason's point is I had this amazing, badass little half ton Chevy pickup truck that was super cool. Oh, and, um, we had some issues back home business partner did some shady stuff ended up costing us some things and we kind of had to do a a start over regroup a little bit as a family and so we couldn't that that vehicle was tied to that relationship and back it went and i got like a 90 an 89 or 90 oldsmobile what was that thing it was a two-door it wasn't like a cutlass oldsmobile achieva oldsmobile achieva so google this burgundy Google, Google this thing, uh, because it is, it is not awesome, but this car was white with this like crushed velour purple interior. And my dad, you know, again, the, the, was always, I'll keep you in something nice and safe. So the backstory behind this car is as a 20 mid twenties, man, you literally have just gone from like the peak of cool ride to like a complete car fire. And, but this car was literally like one owner, little grandma drove it. It was like five years old. It had like 11,000 miles on it. The car was brand new. I mean, it ran flawless. It was just ugly. It was not a flattering vehicle to drive. There was nothing you could do. You can't put rims on this car. You couldn't put anything on this car to make this car no cool. This car was not cool. There was no, nothing saved this car. So it just is what it was. But you know what? It was good for me to, to know. And again, I would like to preface this all by saying these are bullshit first world problems that I'm talking about right now. And I'm literally complaining about an automobile choice, which makes me sound really shitty right now. But as a young man, this was a thing. I'm a car guy. It was kind of a blow. We moved on. Uh, it wasn't the end of the world. Um, but... Um, having said that, um, it was a very economical, reliable choice for me to make, which turned out to be a good thing because that's when I started to get my first serious job out of college. That's when I got engaged with Christy and it was probably better to have less stuff on my plate, but yes, that was, that was a a tough one to swallow. The important point, what you said earlier, the, the most important point is, is that you, you, you took a step. And I, I don't want them to be, they'd be lost because, and I'm going to bring it all back to the movie and to COVID-19. and what Gosh, We're good today. at this. Whew. We're good at this. But you bring everything back and you go, wait a second. I want the new car. I want the new truck. I want this. Think about, A, what you have. Think about your options of what you're going through. And and also think about economically what's happening around you. Now, unfortunately, you were pushed to this car and it was frustrating for you as a young man and your emotions that you presented were absolutely, they were, they were real and they were honest and, and, and they're not to be discounted, but take that life lesson 
and then sp- I didn't bring it up to to embarrass or, or say anything about you negatively. No, I, I brought no, it no. up. I brought it up to be like, we're in a moment now where that car decision seems simple, but there's not enough people that have heard that car decision to know, to be smart enough, to be introspective enough, to take a pause, to take a step back and go, yeah, I got a 2014 Pathfinder. I'm going to get a new car. Hey, man, we don't know where the comedy's going to go. We don't know where this is going to happen, what's going to go on, what's going to... We don't know. Now, I want a new car. And you had people above you saying, we're going to put you in this. It's safe. It's economical. It, it works. If you've never felt velour before on your butt cheeks, oh my what gosh, amazing. the interior of that car <laughs> was straight porn. It was so, it was so money. And here's the thing: as much as I want to hate that thing, it that was so new. damn comfortable, and it had a little four-cylinder engine. I mean, I literally had like a lifted half-ton pickup truck on 33s that got like four miles to the gallon and this car had like a four-cylinder engine in it and i i could drive on a tank of gas for like a month i mean it was it was a godsend but an absolute and i and i came down absolute blow to the ego and that and i came down and i had a 67 cadillac then when i started it woke up your whole apartment complex I don't even know other I don't really know what you were thinking when you procured that car. I mean it was like it had a it was a it was a it was a convertible but the convertible top was so in such disarray that putting it up was irrelevant so you just let it rain on the car with the top down. <laughs> Keep in mind we live at this point we live I I mean as the crow flies maybe Two miles. 900 maybe maybe 900 yards from the ocean if you count that's back true bay. oh that's true I mean, back bay day, that's true right yeah. there in fact oh, when you lived with us in that apartment in that townhouse where we first lived when we were married dude back bay was 250 yards max from the back door Shit, of that that's house right I forget and about so that. we are literally on the ocean people and he just never put the top up that car where you sit in the seats the level of mold in the seats of that vehicle was that thing was a giant <laughs> four wheel mold machine. Uh, and yeah, that car was, that was, remember it just, that fell, was all not, the wheels fell off. All the wheels fell off automobile choice on your part. By the, by the town pump. It's like all of a sudden I bought it for 500 bucks. You I drove off. it. I drove it from Portland to SoCal. I drove it for about six months, maybe maybe more, four months. And I went to leave one night to go get us beers at the town pump. I'm like, I'm just going to drive my car. We're going to go over to the town pump. It was raining, so I don't understand why I had to drive. And I got the beers, and I went to leave, and it all the wheels, like the axles broke. I don't know what happened. Rust, whatever. And it just, and I, tr- I limped it along with like two tires in front of your place. And you're like, dude. I already have the apartment complex complaining every time you start your car because it had no muffler. Please stop. Please. Jason, find a new place to live or get a new car. And I had no money. I had nothing going on. And uh, I sold it for scrap for uh, about $1,200, which is 700 more than I paid for it. 
More importantly, um, I went and I, I went to this shitty car dealership and you helped me out after, after, by the way, folks, the after parts of it. So I got this like Nissan Altima super sport, all leather interior, great car. I remember that car. <laughs> I had it for two months and they're like, Hey, um, the, the car company now or the leaseholder now wants like 5,000 more dollars to take it back. And it could be legal, illegal. I talked to Brett, and he called his dad. And anyways, went back and forth. And um, I left with an Isuzu Amigo. Yes. Yes, I remember that vehicle. And then I left the Isuzu Amigo. And then I worked for about a year. And I had the Isuzu Amigo. I worked for about a year trying to rebuild my credit and just get money in the bank and do everything. And then I traded it in and I got it a Cadillac Escalade. Uh, it, yes. That's right. That. The black Escalade. Big boy. That was your big, like, big boy car. I'm back now. Yeah, I remember that. Big boy car. I'm back. And, uh, you know, and then uh, life happens. But, I mean, I, I bring all this up because, one, folks, don't let a moment in time define you a b think about the things you have around you and uh you know and whether it's brett or myself or anyone else think about the things you have around you and, and put a positive spin on them it's it's hard to do when you're single it's hard to do when you're newly married it's super easy to do when you've got a kid and a wife and a house payment but if you can train yourself to bring the positive into those things, it, 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 it works immensely. It really does. And then um, my final note in, in all the car talk is at the end of the day, I know it sucks to say, it doesn't fucking matter. It really doesn't, Dude, man. You married a legitimate supermodel with a car with purple velour inside i mean yeah that's because we're still not sure why she chose that i'm gonna be honest <laughs> i i am uh, i have been with my wife mostly uh since 1996 with a a couple uh, there was probably about a, a two and a half two and a half Two and a half year span there where we spent time apart trying to sort out whether or not we were in love or not in college, which is what college people do because brains sure. aren't even formed. So we're trying to figure it out. But I've uh, been married for 19 years in July. Um, and I still am not sure what on earth piqued her interest, but here we are. So, uh, yeah, man, you know, I, I am blessed that. I have to this day a wife that really could give a shit about material things. Little she likes little things, you know. She likes, oh, I I need more paper for my craft room or something. But my wife is not a name brand label. Oh, oh perfect point. We're talking about cars. My wife has a 14-year-old SUV. And other than a rip in the seat that she needs me to fix and a little smush in the bumper where someone hit her four years ago. If I fix those two things, she'd drive the car another five years. So she's just, it's just now, would she like, yeah, if I brought a new car home, she'd love it. Um, 
but it's, it's not what drives her. So I'm blessed um, that I have married a woman that isn't into any of that stuff because I was a shit show uh, when she met me. Uh, and uh, she, she definitely was into polishing turds apparently and, and wanted a, wanted a, uh, a project. She got one. Uh, still has one to this day, but yeah, I'm blessed that I, I could have proposed to my wife with a ring I fashioned out of paper and an origami class, and she just said yes. So um, I'm blessed that way for sure. And and I think too, um, we've known each other since we were kids, man. So we we've we've been through it all. Like we there's no there's no gross dirty secrets she doesn't know or I don't know. And and I think you know so that's. Um, that's I think pretty pretty rad I mean literally I've been with her longer than I've been without her in my life officially last year when I turned 46 I had been with her longer than I had been without her so um yeah it's crazy I know man it's crazy to think about dude I, I don't feel like our college experience ended 22 years ago you know what I mean? I just don't. I, it literally feels like 10, 10, 12 years to me. You know what I mean? But it's been yeah. two and a half decades almost. And hey. uh, I just don't feel old, I guess. I don't know. Listen, let's uh, listen. Uh, you got to get up and work. We got to get up and work. But uh, more, more importantly, I, I want to wrap up with a couple of questions here. I'm, I struggle with this a lot, right? Because I still play basketball. Um, I'm still okay at it. We, we, and I mean the proverbial we of our friend group. Was it, what is it, if you can answer this, and I don't know if you can, um, what is it about us where we don't see age? Like we're just not caught up. I see so many guys, I mean, I, I play ball three times a week, or I was until COVID 19. I've been playing ball three, four times a week. Young men. I mean, 20, 21, 22, 23, middle-aged guys who played at Texas A&M that are 30, 40 years old, and then us. And we don't, I don't know, like, there's a thing, and I don't know what it is, and maybe it's our friend group, or maybe it's not, but I, I don't see it outside of our friend group. <sighs> Help me express this ideological movement or whatever it is that goes and man i mean it's an old man's strength because that was our father's generation but it, it is this idea of like no, no 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 just come over here we're gonna play we're gonna do whatever we have to do we're just I, i'm trying to put a pin on the fact that I have 20-year-olds that I can beat in basketball that are better than me but just don't know my tricks or just don't respect the three-pointer or whatever it is. And at the or same the hook time, shot, I mean. Or know. the hook shot, exactly. And at the same time, it translates to business. It translates to everything that we do. And I want to, I want to try to embrace a younger generation that goes, don't get caught up in the bullshit, Uh, I think two things. Number one, as a group of friends, we're all pretty secure people, both the men and the women in our circle of friends in who we all are. And for the most part, as a group, we really don't give a shit what you think about us. 
Uh, and there's a, there's a power that comes with that, right? That's, that's rather freeing. Um, because if I don't care what you think, you have no control over me. Um, so I think that's part of it. I think part of it is we, we don't care if a group of people sees us acting like a complete idiot rolling around on the grass with our four-year-old niece. I, I don't care. I, I, I don't think you care, and, and, and I don't think the no. other guys care. I, so I think that's part of it. I think part of it is just we're secure enough in who we are that, that we don't – the world doesn't get to define our age or what we're going to do or how we're going to have fun or what we're going to do today. And then I think the other thing is as a group of people, we're, we're super accepting – of everybody. So I think that, um, I think the other part of that equation is, um, we're, we're cool with the 52 year old guy who can barely get up the court that just wants to get out there and get some exercise. So he doesn't have another heart attack as much as we are with the flashy slash and dunk 21 year old, um, that's maybe mouthy or whatever. We can appreciate it all because we've been him and we're going to be him. Right. So, and I think I think we understand uh, our place in the universe, and that we're all we all got to be twenty, and we're all headed to eighty. Um, <laughs> and so, um, and we don't um, we don't discriminate um, in any way, shape, or form in this group of of people, both in our friend group or or who we let in to to visit with. And we we believe there's power and uh, and something to be learned from everybody. Um, you and, and I, and most of the, all of the people in our circle of friends, again, both the husbands and the wives believe that we can learn something from a 19 year old or a 12 year old as much as we can from someone who's 52 or 81. So I think that, I think those two things, maybe, I don't know. It's a guess since you put me on the spot. No, dude, I, I like it. I like it. I, I, I want to close out with it. I'm going to put you on the spot again. And I, and I love that answer. Um, I'll bring it back to where we live today so that, A, one, people can reflect today. And then, two, 100 years down the road as I keep this podcast alive until I die, that, uh, that they can listen to this and, and understand and hopefully find, find inspiration. Um, our lives have been built on perseverance. They just have blue collar struggles, um, lack of financial support, uh, whatever it may be. We have literally surrounded ourselves with a group of friends that live on perseverance. And in that world of perseverance, we've also uh, figured out a way to. Uh, to not just not succeed, but be great friends and great people, and then also find a little moment of success. Um, as a dad, as a husband, as an entrepreneur, as, 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 as a man that, that, that works hard every day, the mountain yesterday got bigger the mountain when they might hear this podcast might actually be bigger it's easy to say persevere push it up the hill it's easy to say 
hey man, have you seen that meme where then the, the rock goes over the top and it rolls down and you're super successful? Those are easy things to say. But Brett, you and I, from the time we are kids, have lived through these stages. And whereas other people get scared with what's going on right now, we're like, this is actually a piece of our lives that we can reflect on. So in this reflection, in this understanding of perseverance, in the idea that knowing that actually the mountain's bigger than what you're pushing up, that it's not tomorrow that it's going to, the, the boulder's going to go down the hill and the hockey stick's going to go up and you're going to explode and whoop, 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 and there's fireworks and you're celebrated. And all of that, in everything that you've done, as a father, uh, as a husband, uh, as an entrepreneur, as everything you've done. What do you say to the people that look up to that hill that it seems like every day when with COVID-19 and everything else going on, that it gets bigger? What do you say to them? Wow. Um, well, first of all, nothing worth having comes easy. Um, so I think that's the first thing. Um, adversity uh, is what makes the person, in, in my opinion. Um, and your response to and handling of adversity. Um, quitting is the easiest thing to do in any situation. It's the easiest thing. I'm done. I'm out, right? In anything, a relationship, a business relationship, uh, anything, a math problem. If you're a you know, nine-year-old at home trying to do math. Um, my grandfather, don't know that he was the one that pioneered this phrase, so I'm not giving him we're credit. We're going to know we're going to quote him, quote him, quote him. My grandfather once um, told me, and, and I don't even really remember the circumstance, I think it was, I think I had just, I was a BMX racer as a kid. And I think I had just done like a full yard sale on my bike, like helmet over here, glove over here, shoe behind me, probably can't breathe, knock the breath out of me. And, um, I was crying and upset and I got up and, you know, I threw the bike cause it's always the bike's fault. Those of you who, sure. who don't, who, who ride bikes know what I'm talking about. If you crash, it's the freaking bike's fault every time. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm throwing a, you know, four-star hissy fit probably as like a 10 or 11-year-old. And uh, that's it. I'm done. I, I quit. I'm done. Or I said something of that magnitude. And he came over to me from out of his little shed and said, um, so that's it. You're done. And I'm like, yeah, I'm done. This is stupid. Like I was trying to do a trick and I couldn't do it. And he goes, well, here's the problem with quitting. It makes every other time you do it that much easier. So don't start. So I think uh, um, if you're in a place out there listening and you're looking up at what seems like an insurmountable obstacle in your life, whatever that may be, uh, whatever challenge that may be, um, here's my two cents. If you can feel the anxiety and the pain 
and the the agony and the frustration and the heartbreak of that thing that's in front of you that you're trying to deal with i guess the good news would be if you can feel that you're still alive if you're still alive you're still in the game so pick yourself up dust yourself off and get back after it because here's the here's the good news I guess if you view it one way or the bad news, if you view it another, here's what I've learned in my short time on the planet. No matter how big those are, I can get up them. And there's just another one waiting on the other side. So um, you always emerge at the top of the hill, stronger, better, and more prepared to face the next challenge because they're coming people. The next challenge is coming. It, it's, I, I don't know anyone in my life I've ever met. That's a one challenge lifetime. I had this one thing that went bad in 75 years on the planet. The rest of the time was pretty easy. Uh, that's just not how life works. You know, anyone, anyone listening to this podcast that's older than 15 has probably already experienced that in one way, shape or another. So just keep going, man. You, you can, it's one foot in front of the other. I mean, there's a million cliches. I know there's a military one. I don't know who it's attributed to, but it says the only easy day was yesterday. And if you think about that and you apply that as an approach to life, um, it, it's not going to get any easier. This only gets harder and uglier and messier. And if you, if again, to my original point, anything worth having is worth fighting for and anything that comes easy or free isn't usually worth it. Well, for, for whatever it's worth, I, I didn't, I did not interrupt him once. So, um, that said, I mean, Brett, uh, God bless you, man. Um, we've been friends for too long. Almost longer, almost longer than we've been alive. We we, we figured out, figured out how to be friends. Uh, you know, I'm I'm blessed. I'm honored to uh, to have people like you in my life. And. Um, those moments of wisdom that you just dropped on, and I really do mean this, those moments of wisdom that you just dropped on to people, they're, they're true because they're the same things you've told me in the past. So, one, for everyone who's still hanging on and, uh, and enjoying the podcast, thanks. Uh, two, for everyone else um, who's wondering uh, what's next, Brett gave you the answer. He really did. And uh, finally, um, for those that are struggling in this world of, of, of a lack of connectivity as far as physical, I'll say this. One, you're going to get through this part. This part's going to end. But as this part ends, then you find these people. You're going to find the Bretts. You're going to find the Johns. You're going to find the Chris's. You're going to find the people that say what he said. 
you're going to find the people in your life that are going to pull a pin on your grenade, not to make it explode, but to make you give pause to who you are and what you're doing. You're going to find the people that are going to embrace you at your greatest and tell you where you can be better. And they're going to embrace you at your worst and tell you why you're great. And those moments, those moments right there, those are the ones that whether it's a pandemic or it's a financial distraction or whatever it is, those are the people that are going to inspire you and help you move forward. And if you don't have them, go get them. And if you have them and you know who they are and you've, you've, you've quarantined them in some way because you're nervous, I'll say this, unquarantine them. Unquarantine them and ensure to yourself that you are surrounded by the people that love you for who you are. I have been a fool for a lot of my life. I've made a ton of mistakes. I have. But in every mistake I've made, in every success I've had, I have had four very close friends that have called me out on even the successes I've had and told me to calm down in everything I've done. And if you don't have that, go get it. Go get it. Because those words of wisdom, as Brett said, they're not, they're not held in him. They're not. They are held in the people that want the best for you. They do. Wedding Crashers ended not on a party. It ended on two friends coming together and understanding what it meant to be with someone that held them accountable. And that is the hardest thing in the world to do with friends. It is. And trust me. We're going to have Brett on again. He's going to tell you more dumb stories and more dumb shit I've done in my whole fucking life. He's been literally front screened for a majority of it. So in all of this, seriously, find those people that they don't challenge you. They make you better. They just do. They make you better. And if they're not making you better, then why are you with them? Yeah. It's not what you, it's, not, it's not what you want to hear. It's what you need to hear. You need to surround yourself with people that are going to tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. That's, uh, that's probably the last thing I'd say. And then just thank you, man, for the medium. Thank you for the time. Thank you for getting me on here. It was way overdue. Uh, mostly my fault on that one. Um, we got Skype uh, now, son. So we, we're we're good, man. We can we're do good. anytime yeah. you want to. I um, this was great. It was fun. Um, proud of what you've done, man. Proud of what you've built with this thing. Watching the success of it has been fun. I've been here since episode one. 
Um, and it's, uh, it, it's cool, man, to watch how it's evolved and everything else. And just, uh, uh, I'm thankful, man. I'm thankful for no other reason. It gave us a reason to reconnect for three hours, which is way, way overdue. Um, and, um, yeah, man, uh, I'm again, thank you very much. And, uh, I'm going to say it so I don't forget to, before I hang up, cause I'm quick on the hang up. I love you, man. I love you. And I'm thankful uh, for you. And I'm, I'm equally thankful for your friendship as uh, you are for mine, man. Trust me. So, um, yeah, dude, keep, keep doing what you're doing. And I'd, I'd love to come back on if your listeners don't go full riot because we just talked for like nine hours <laughs> and they're going to have to take six days to listen to this thing. So for those of you out there, I'm sorry, man, this is what happens when you get an Italian together with an old friend. I could literally talk for another four hours. So, and then yeah, start well, dinner and, and then have dinner because that's how Italians work. But no, um, we're, yeah, we're going to get it. Love it. I love it. It was fun. And I, I'd be, I'd be blessed to do it again. So. Dude, we'll, we'll 100% we're going to do it again. There's, you know what? Listen, we're, we're on lockdown in Texas, and we'll figure this out. Yeah, we got plenty we'll, of time. <laughs> we got plenty of time, brother. We got plenty of time. But most importantly, man, I mean, thank you. I love you as well. Um, these, are, these are blessings. They really are. It's, it's funny because we're texting, and we're, we're bullshitting back and forth. And we're having so much fun, and we're just – and it gets – the, the best part of this is it gets serious and neither one of us, neither one of us are, are uncomfortable. And instead we're just embracing who we are and, uh, and how much we, we respect and, and everything else. So I love you as well. Thank you very much. Everyone who's listened. Wedding Crashers, obviously a great movie. Uh, my friend Ivana's is in it. Uh, there's, there's, there's crazy stories behind this, and uh, the best way to des- describe it's funny. Maniac told me so. Uh, my my friend, the the Mensa guy, he was like, "Man, I have all these other things. We have more avenues to talk." Same with you. We got more avenues to talk, man. We got stories for days that make wedding crashers look like a Sunday picnic for the average joe so um we'll do it more on skype and then uh, obviously when it's appropriate uh we'll get the families together because we're blessed with uh with great daughters uh we're blessed with great wives uh we're, we're, we're blessed all the way around and uh us getting together you know in my humble opinion is just um it's uh, it's it's a subtle flex of of just hey man we're blessed we're blessed so everyone out there stay blessed and as audit as is and as weird as it is, as it is now is the time when you get to hear about my daughter pooping for the first time as she sings a song Brett you know this well this is how we closed it out. I'm going to hang up on you now, brother. I love you so much, man. I really do. Stay safe, world. Love you too, man. All right, brother. Talk to you soon. Bye. See you, dude.